Closure. It's 68 degrees at DVE. I'm Val Porter. The U.S. Department of Justice is announcing criminal charges against a North Korean man accused of the Sony Pictures Entertainment cyber attack. First U.S. Uh, First Assistant U.S. Attorney Tracy Wilkinson says Park Jin Hyuk is wanted in the FBI by the FBI for the 2014 hack, as well as others worldwide. Officials say Jin Hyuk is a computer programmer and is responsible for leaking thousands of emails and financial documents from the studio. The FBI says the criminal complaint released yesterday details findings of their multi-year investigation and is one of the most comprehensive filings to date that names a state-sponsored cyber actor. Well, the Beehive Coffee House is closing. The popular Southside staple located at East Carson and 14th will end its run, its 28-year run, Wednesday evening. Officials say the building where it's located has been sold. The CDC is warning middle-aged Americans to take care of their hearts. A new federal report report found that heart attacks, stroke, heart failure, and other cardiovascular conditions led to over 2 million hospital visits in 2016 and over 400,000 deaths. The report says that a large number of those patients are middle-aged adults between 35 and 64. A CDC official said at a press briefing Thursday that middle age can be a ticking time bomb for heart disease because that's when many of the risk factors become more prevalent. Those factors include high blood pressure and high cholesterol and unhealthy habits like smoking and not getting enough exercise. Neither rain nor sleet nor sweltering heat can keep a 99-year-old man from making his daily trek. Luther Younger is not a postal carrier. He is a devoted husband from Rochester uh, who, even though he doesn't have a car, won't miss a day of visiting his wife in the hospital. She has been in and out of the hospital for the past decade ever since being diagnosed with a brain tumor. And since then, Luther says he has often had to make the daily walk of more than six miles to see the woman he's loved and been married to for 55 years. The couple's daughter, Lathita, says she's pretty sure someone will make a movie about her parents' love story, which has already gone viral. Well, you can now be the proud owner of Indiana Jones Hat, a rare movie memorabilia going on the auction block, and uh, that is going to be in London later this month. More than 600 props and costumes from film and TV will go under the hammer September 20th and are expected to fetch over $4.5 million. Famous items include the fedora worn by Harrison Ford as Indiana Jones and the jacket he wore as Han Solo in The Empire Strikes Back. Movie lovers can also bid bid on Marty McFly's hoverboard from Back to the Future Part 2, the Indiana Jones bullwhip, Johnny Depp's costume from Edward Scissorhands, and a Wonka bar from Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. A Stormtrooper helmet from The Last Jedi will also go on sale. Proceeds will go to a children's charity. Finally, actor Burt Reynolds is dead at the age of 82. Us Weekly says Reynolds went into cardiac arrest at a hospital in Florida and died with his family by his side. Reynolds was the number one star in America for a period of, I think it was five years from the late 70s into the early 80s. That was after his breakout role in the movie Deliverance. He also starred in several other big hits, including 1974's The Longest Yard, the Smokey and the Bandit movies, and he was nominated for an Oscar in his role in Boogie Nights. Uh, Oscar-winning actress Sally Field remembering her on and off 
off-screen partner, Burt Reynolds. In a statement, she said her years with Burt never leave her mind, adding, he'll be in my heart and my history for as long as I live. The two were in a relationship for five years from 1977 to 1982. During that time, they did co-star in four movies together. Cloudy and humid near 80 for the high today. It's 68 at DVE. You know, a lot of people were saying on social media yesterday their favorite Burt Reynolds movie was Boogie Nights. And my response to that is that's not a Burt Reynolds movie. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that's a P.T. Anderson movie that Burt Reynolds is in. A Burt Reynolds movie is all Burt. It's Hooper. It's Gator. Would it's, you consider Cannonball Run? Because, I mean, that's where I first saw hundred percent. Okay. A hundred percent. Cannonball Run. Um, the End. <clears throat> the movie The End with Dom DeLuise is one of the funniest movies I've ever seen. Certainly the funniest movie, maybe second funniest movie about death, with defending your life being the best. But um, the, the, there are so many great Burt Reynolds movies. And I know there's times he could be a jackass, but I love Burt Reynolds so much. <laughs> like, I, th- those movies were, th- he was who you wanted to be. He was the coolest guy on The Tonight Show. He had his own, like, modern-day Rat Pack, including members of the actual Rat Pack. Yeah, he's a throwback movie star. No doubt about it. Well, it's the, you know, the old guys want to be him, chicks want to be with him. Yeah, exactly. And he posed nude for Playgirl, for crying out loud. He played for Florida State. You know, did you know that his roommate at Florida State was Lee Corso? Not until yesterday. Not until Darren Ravel tweeted that out. I didn't know that. That's crazy. Yeah, that's pretty interesting. Uh, all right. Speaking of football, lots to get to today as we get set for Sunday's game one, week one against the Browns. Uh, we'll have Dave Damashek from the NFL Network. Also, um, Stefan Tuitt of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Plus, Mike Pursuit will have hourly sports updates for you. We're also going to be uh, talking with Preston Lacey from Jackass. He's in town performing at Club Cafe. He'll be live in studio. Nice. Ben Penegar, our buddy from Gray Area Productions, will tell us about the 6th Annual Festival when they just turn out McKee's Rocks, man. It is a huge party. Uh, and that's going on tomorrow. Plus, Sean Collier will review Peppermint and the last movie. And also, uh, we will eulogize Burt. Reynolds mustache with Adam Cosgrove from the National Mustache Institute, which is located here in Pittsburgh. The American Mustache Institute, I believe is what it's formally called. It's an important distinction. It is. So uh, he'll eulogize Bert's mustache, which I think is an important remembrance (laughs) this morning. Living color gets you going. DVE. About 10 years ago, ESPN gave me a uh, an alarm clock. Uh, it's, a, it's a very special alarm clock. And it, 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 what, what kind of special alarm clock is that it? It's when the alarm goes off, it's I actually, it's not, it's, I actually recorded it on the alarm clock myself. So it's not the musical instrument, whatever it is. I haven't even started. To brush my so you teeth. haven't had, yeah, you, you just gargled. Um, uh, oh, yeah, I got to finish. Uh, so then uh, they wake up at the alarm clock, and then they, I, uh, I, uh, I worship the Ray Lewis poster. That I have. <laughs> still, still waiting to, to get it signed and then brush my teeth. Uh, I eat uh, uh, 75 egg whites. 75, you're like Cool Hand Luke with, with no yolks. Well, yeah, yeah, I, that, it's, Kind of the way I go, but I don't eat 
them. I just cook them up. I have someone cook them for me. It's uh, uh, don't eat Steve them. Levy is uh, he's my cook. Uh, <laughs> when he's not doing the hockey games, he's making breakfast and uh, okay. you know. And then I I actually eat French toast. <laughs> But I look at the egg whites. <laughs> well, it would be healthier if you ate the egg whites. You know, and I, there look- was a, the truth, the truth be told here, there was an article that was written and at uh, April 4th, 1977. Uh, it uh, was, uh, if you visualize, whatever it is you're visualizing, that's what you actually, your body your mind is that strong, then you uh, believe that's what you're eating. And as you, I don't as think there's you, any scientific merit to that at all. Well, science is uh, it's, it's a necessary evil. <laughs> <laughs> that's not. It's just science. It, it's, it's a fact. It is what it is. Yeah. Well, did you ever see the movie uh, Weird Science? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, uh, yeah. I was, the other day, Keyshawn Johnson and I, we were wearing bras on our heads trying to make a lady. And Wait, what were you trying to make? A lady? Trying to make a lady. <laughs> a supermodel that was uh, originally married to... Uh, Steven Seagal. I'm not sure if they're still married. I don't follow. No, no, no. She's married to a director, uh, Rennie Harlan. Oh, Rennie Harlan. I think she married Chad. job. Does a nice job with the cuts and the music. (laughs) But what we came up with uh, was instead of making a woman, we accidentally created Roy Wood Jr. No. Well, that's good. Uh, good for Roy, I, I would imagine. You He's know, a very uh, funny guy. Does wh- nice job. You know, a lot of Steeler fans would like to put bras on their heads and have come up with a reliable kicker. We we fired our kicker, Sean. Oh, uh, not. I'm sorry, uh, Josh Scobie. Yeah, and his my, his name might as well be Sean because he's in the witness protection program. Now. <laughs> if you, uh, you just gave away part of Sean Scaboo is uh, the name that he's going with. Yeah, uh, Scooby, 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 Dooby, Dooby, Dooby. Did you just Scooby? That's what I gargle with this morning. A Scooby. It sounded like Bermit. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah. <laughs> I just imagine that it's like the whole ESPN crew getting ready in the in the in the bathroom in the morning. Yeah, uh, CC, what do you got? I'm okay. Boom. All right. <laughs> and Boomer is back. Chris Berman back on ESPN. That, of course, Frank Caliendo, the uh, the absolute greatest. Um, Berman is back on ESPN. Now he's not going to do any of the highlights Sunday night on Sports Center, but he is uh, slowly expanding his role. So you will see him Sunday. I know he's been he's become more of like a caricature of his former self, but I still love Burma. Me too. Me too. My dad loved him so much when I was growing up too that it was always you know we always loved Berman. And I get that once the snarky culture took over on social media, right. he became a pretty easy target. But I love Berman. You know why they call him Boomer? No. Because back in the old days at ESPN, they used to have only have like one bathroom and people used to go up like literally pee outside and they were in this like super remote area in Bristol, Connecticut. And the way they would know how to find their way back was by they'd hear his booming voice. No. Hmm. That's what it said on the internet. <laughs> Can't be I wrong. I thought you were going to say they'd look for his huge loaf. And they'd be like, oh my God. <laughs> 
Either Bigfoot is living here or Berman's doing highlights tonight. Mike, proceeding with your sports. It's week one of the NFL, DVE. DVE Sports. Mike Prasuda with your sports right now on the DVE Morning Show. Week one of the NFL season. Looming. Looming. It's off and running. Sports this hour brought to you by Xfinity from Comcast. It kicked off last night, Randall. Fly, Eagles, fly. The that is true, yeah. Defending champs beat the Falcons 18-12. to The Steelers have to wait until Sunday at 1 to begin their season. They'll do that in Cleveland against the Cleveland Browns, the team that's gone 1-31 the past two seasons. Man, it would stink to give them their second win <laughs> in the last two seasons. Browns are supposed to be better this year. They're uh, something of a darling in Vegas. and uh, They'd have to be. They've got a lot of fans because of hard knocks. Which always makes you think the team is going to be better than they actually are. Usually it does. And then they have to actually play, and you don't get to edit the game. <laughs> but the Steelers uh, are expecting a challenge. They know they've got challenges of their own to deal with uh, regardless of the opponent Sunday. One of those, the ongoing Le'Veon Bell saga. That's starting to calm down a little bit, at least. Uh, David DeCastro yesterday was expressing much more of a understanding stance than uh, an unforgiving nature regarding Bell's continued absence from the Steelers. We like Levy on the business side of the business side, you know, no hard feelings, just is what it is, and you've got to move on. And, and all of us realize that there's no point in dwelling on it. We just got to do it, and especially got a little something to prove. What's a little something to prove? One of the things, you know, well, Levy's not here, so we've got to go out and show we can do it without him. You know, it's the same kind of some same kind of thing with Haley, without Haley. You know, right? It's it's always that kind of people are going to read into it. Oh, well, if you guys if we if we don't do well against Cleveland, like yeah, then there's all these questions come up. So there's a lot of pressure. <laughs> we we like Le'Veon, no hard feelings. DeCastro was one of the guys that was uh, raging against the situation along with Ramon Foster and Marquise Pouncey the day before. Do you think the backlash from the NFL alumni, alumni gave them perspective? No, I, th- I think in-house they were told, hey guys, you got to zip this up. We're not riding this wave, as Tomlin called it. Yeah, Tomlin addressed it. Mike Tomlin addressed it yesterday as well. We'll hear from him later today on that subject. And it's rather rare that Tomlin would speak after a Thursday practice. But he was—he had a message to send, and he sent it about, as Bill said, don't ride the wave. Uh, I, I think the the reason it sort of was pulled back uh, yesterday was a couple of factors. One, I think the players gen, genuinely like Le'Veon Bell. He is a likable guy. He's charismatic, and he's a great player, and they all respect that. Yeah. Uh, they're they're most upset that he's not with them because they think because, they have a chance to win because he helps them yeah. win. Uh, and I think uh, maybe some of that backlash, which I, I'm amazed at how much backlash nationally. Is there nothing else to talk about? Although this is a unique situation of the franchise tag guy and a guy that good uh, not not being with his team at well, this point. Well, he's but, also one of the first guys to have the cojones to follow through on his available leverage, which for a lot of them, giving up $8 million yeah. is not part of the equation. I'm not sure if I reference Cajones as being responsible for that, but yeah, it doesn't happen a lot. Maybe lack of uh, yeah. understanding. Yeah, lack of brain power-os. Or, no. hey, maybe he wants to be the normal Ray of running backs <laughs> and he just doesn't give a 
Well, I think some of it's vindictive. I think some of it's spiteful, yeah. but not not the driving factor. I think it may have pushed it up and over. But uh, if he if it costs him eight million dollars to ensure that he's going to make another ten million dollars guaranteed, yeah. All right, a net two million dollars. Now he could have made eight million more yes. and risked getting injured. Yeah, I, there is inherent risk. I don't know. How much the risk is lessened by playing half the amount of plays? Is that a, is that a mathematical I, thing? I or? honestly think if he holds out and comes back in cold weather, I mean he could get blown up on the second play. Stephon right. Tua got hurt on the second play of the season last year. Marquise Pouncey got hurt on like the first play two years ago or three years ago. Uh, several years ago, Tennessee game. It was yeah. the first drive. Yeah, yeah. Um, the Castro dove into his knee. You know, it's almost like a, yeah, right. a guy in war. If there's a bullet out there with your name on it, it'll find you. Right. Yeah. If, if there isn't, it doesn't. Uh, yeah, but also then there's some times where they go, hey, Ronnie, the plane is broken. And he goes, the hell with it. When it's my time, I'm going to go. Yeah. Let's go, boys. Get on the plane. <laughs> well, this, that shouldn't be an issue here when he comes back. The, the, the Sometimes pl- there are warning signs is what I'm saying. The plane's pretty good up front. Okay. Uh, we'll, we'll see how it plays out. But interesting to hear DeCastro. We like Le'Veon, no hard feelings, and then talk about trying to turn it into a a rallying point of uh, yeah, we know we got to win without him, or the people are going to circle the wagons. Let's let's go get this done. Uh, let's make a point. The bigger issue, and uh, DeCastro addressed this one as well yesterday. The, the bigger issue for the Steelers' offensive line might be Miles Garrett playing for the Browns, <laughs> yeah. not Le'Veon Bell not playing for the Steelers. Mm-hmm. It's a team effort when you whenever you uh, when you go into this, but. Uh... I think uh, the way he's been putting some good tape out there, 95 looks like a heck of a player, and we got to do a good job minimizing those situations that could be could be tough for Al. You know, running the ball, keeping getting a lead, giving the defense some time, so we can not be in those situations. I always say that offensive line, you never want to be in a two-minute drill. You never want to have to be in that position of um, where you have to drop back and pass every play. It's not it's not going to look good for anyone in the league, and, and uh, especially against a player like him. Yeah, I don't think that they're editing together Miles Garrett's highlights. No, Ben I mean, Roethlisberger referenced him as an animal this week, and that beast. was you know a term of high praise. Uh, I've talked to a couple people around the league that, as DeCastro referenced, they said Miles Garrett has had an attention-getting preseason in terms of what what he's been doing out there. Yeah. Uh, the Steelers didn't have to deal with him in the opener last year; they only played him once. Uh, he was he was injured and fighting that all year last year, but. Uh, that guy can can mess it up right from the get go. Right, right. Um, Got to prevent Miles Garrett first and foremost from blowing up the game, and then see what you can do after that. Uh, one guy who might not be real disappointed in the way the Bell stuff is played out is defensive coordinator Keith Butler. Nobody's talking about the defense. That's all true. Of a sudden. And let's not forget, kids, uh, the issue this year, Bell or no Bell, is the defense. Can the defense be reasonably good enough? to take advantage of an offense that should still be pretty good, Le'Veon Bell or no Le'Veon Bell. The defense was not very good last January, and uh, Butler has been waiting a long time for a chance to make amends for that Jacksonville game. It's been long enough. You know I mean? It, it's it's going to be interesting to see how we play. I'm kind of encouraged, but we'll see see what uh, goes on on the field. Yeah, kind of encouraged. Yikes. Kind of encouraged. <laughs> kind of encouraged. <laughs> Kind of. Oh, feel better or worse? Worse. Not I'd good. I feel way worse. Well, I would, I I think it's uh, the right approach from this angle. Uh, they're not interested in talking about how they're going to be better. They want to show everybody that they're going to be better. And they realize, no matter what they say, they got to go out and do it starting Sunday. Here's Cam Hayward on that. 
We really don't know yet, you know. Ask me at the end of the season, you know. This, the, the story's still yet to be written. You know, I don't like to get ahead of myself. I feel, still think we got to work on things. Uh, I like where we are, and we'll keep going from here. Yeah, I think he's going to be consistent that way all year. They had a real good game in the preseason against Tennessee, the first team in that in that dress rehearsal third game. And all Cam Hayward wanted to say after that was that we got to do it again and again and again. One one good performance, so what? Right. I think we could be good, but hey, us stinking is still a major possibility. <laughs> you got that right. And that could be a deal breaker, as we saw last January against the Jaguars. Uh, Vance McDonald remains the only player on the Steelers' uh, practice participation report, but he was downgraded yesterday from limited to did not participate. Still dealing with that foot injury. My God, is he on the team? Yeah. Have not seen him. What is it with us buying uh, lemon tight ends on the free agent market? He's smarter than Le'Veon Bell because neither one of them are playing, but McDonald's getting paid. <laughs> Who was uh, Captain Headaches? Who did we have before Captain Vance McDonald? Headaches. He, Captain Headaches. Who was that guy? The guy from San Diego. Mr. Migraine. Darius Green. Green. Yeah. Captain Headaches. I mean, oh, I called him Lie Darius because he said he was fine. No. <laughs> he's like, oh, my head doesn't no, hurt. I... Concussion? What concussion? And then we sign him and he's like, ooh, ooh ah. ow. Where's my Chargers helmet? Yeah. Can what? somebody turn the lights off? Yeah, they should have been clued into that when he wanted to sign his contract in the dark. No, I'm okay. <laughs> some, uh, some of the notables on the Browns participation report starting defensive tackle. Trayvon Coley uh, was upgraded from limited to full with an ankle. Uh, Josh Gordon, they list him as second team. He was limited for a second consecutive day with a hamstring, although our guest from The Athletic, Tom Reed, said yesterday that he thinks Gordon's going to play. Yeah. They're just being careful with him. Uh, and also uh, a guy or a name to keep uh, in mind for Cleveland, Desmond Harrison. He is uh, an undrafted rookie offensive tackle from West Georgia, and he's listed as second team right now, but – uh, Zach Jackson of the Athletic Cleveland thinks he's going to start. Hugh Jackson had said at the outset of the week they weren't sure if they were going to keep Joel Batonio at left tackle or they were going to start the rookie at left tackle and kick Batonio inside to left guard. Uh, Jackson has been uh, limited the last two days. Excuse me, Harrison has been limited the last two days with a knee, so maybe that's going to make Hugh Jackson's decision for him. Well, look, you know, as was pointed out yesterday, that is not insignificant. No, and... It, Starting an undrafted rookie at left tackle yeah. against the Steelers? Good luck with that. All right, work, come on, Bud Dupree. If it works out that way, uh, we'll see. But uh, i, I got to believe they're going to stick Petonio there. and You know, the guy, the kid hasn't played and he hasn't been completely healthy this week, so why would that happen? Stephon Tewitt will join us later this morning, 845. We'll ask him about that. That might directly affect what he's got going on this weekend. Uh, and uh, Ben Pentagar, our buddy from uh, Gray Area Productions, will talk about the 6th Annual Festival going on at McKee's Rocks. Tons of music going on for free. Also, Preston Lacey from Jackass is on the show. We'll have Adam Cosgrove from the American Mustache Institute eulogize Burt Reynolds' mustache. Oh, Burt. First Ballot Hall of Fame What's the, What's your favorite Burt movie? Deliverance. Yeah, Deliverance is pretty good. I, I include that as a Burt movie, even though it was he didn't write it or... Uh, I think he may have produced it actually, but he is such a domineering force. His performance yeah. in that is 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 he's the biggest bully, terrifying kind of guy 
who when then I say becomes, my, turns around and becomes hero. When I say that's my favorite, I think it's his best. I agree with you. It's a hard watch. It, it, oh, it's a tough yeah, movie. It's compelling, it's but it's like, oh, God, did that just happen? Yeah. It's also Ned Beatty's, one of his finest performances, too. Let's not forget about that. Hooper, I saw you tweet about Hooper. That's Hooper. underrated. Hooper's the best. Hooper's my favorite. I don't know if I've ever seen Hooper. That's why it's yeah. my favorite. It's underrated. He plays a stuntman. It's uh, smoking the band at Cannonball Run. Those the, the funny ones are, are what they are. There's one that a lot of people don't talk about, which I really liked. Best little whorehouse in Texas. No, uh, Sharky's Machine. What was the TV show? He oh did? yeah, Sharky's Machine. That was like 1983. He was a cop and. Uh, you know, kind of one of those on-the-edge guys, and uh, Rachel Ward was in it, too. That helped. He did a TV show? Oh, he had a couple TV um, shows. Evening Shade. That's it. That's what I was thinking of. Um, Evening Shade, and then there was another one that, that the name escapes me. But uh, anything he did with Hal Needham, who was a former stuntman, like the Smokey and the Bandit movies and Hooper, Cannonball Run, those were those were the ones I love. It almost made me want to move to like Texas just so I could go hang out at Gillies and watch Terry Bradshaw get in a bar fight. Hooper was the. I think that was underrated too. Hooper is great. You remember the movie Convention. where <laughs> Demi Moore was paid like twenty million dollars to take her top off? It was like, yeah, yeah. He was in that movie and he was like a creepy congressman. Yeah. Hey Joe, tackle that car. That's my favorite. Also, and then he did. And then the super racist line from the from the southern sheriff after that, after Joe Green tackles his car, he's like, I knew this was going to start happening after they started that bussing crap. <laughs> <laughs> what was the backstory on that? Uh, Bert had been critical of Bradshaw <clears throat> at some point, and then he felt bad about it, so he started including those guys in the movies. I don't know. Bert was, or Terry Bradshaw was in at least... Three Burt Reynolds yeah. movies. I think he. I think I'm just trying to remember this. I should probably look it up, but I think he questioned Bradshaw's intelligence at one point, like a lot of people did. Just gonna say, <laughs> yeah, that and doesn't then, make Burt Reynolds mean. It just makes him astute, like everybody else. It's Randy Bauman and the DVE Morning Show. Each week during the NFL season, Coach Mike Tomlin gives a press conference. His answers are less than forthcoming. Uh, they're they're somewhat. You know, there's a lot of foliage around smoky, what he actually yeah. means. So we have uh, developed an app with the help of uh, some people at Carnegie Mellon, the Tomlin Translator, where we take his answers. Those people would be the nerds, yeah, thank those you. dorks at CMU, yeah. and we put it through the Tomlin Translator. The answers to his uh, to the questions from each week's press conference, and we arrive at the actual meaning. Of what Coach Tomlin, Tomlin is saying. Because he doesn't come right out and say it, Mike. Got to clear some debris. Thank God the dorks and nerds have come up with this. So the first question <laughs> in yesterday's press conference was about Le'Veon Bell. Do you expect Le'Veon Bell to be here tomorrow? Um, I hadn't thought about it. Mm, okay, let's mm. put that through the Tomlin translator here. Let's see if we can uh, just do this. Or... I can't stop thinking about it. It is driving me crazy. If I lose to the Browns in week one after a winless season, Terry Bradshaw is going to get a lynch mob after well, me. I mean, that might be a little aggressive. I don't know that it'll be that bad, but sure. Uh, the second question, talking about how do you evaluate Le'Veon? 
when he does arrive. What goes into that process to how ready he will be when he's back? You know, um, again, I'll answer that when he gets here. Um, I've given you the variables. We'll see. Okay, put it through the translator. We have to make sure he is not too high to remember the playbook. <laughs> we also need to see if he can run 10 yards without coughing up a pile of blunts. <laughs> I mean, a pile of blunts? Yeah. I mean, that, <laughs> I, I mean that, that's a valid concern, I guess. All right. Hopefully he's been vaping. And then, of course, he was asked, you know, whether he'd spoken with Lev. Have you been in communication with him this week? I haven't been in contact with him this week. Okay, let's put that back. Every time I text him, he texts back, do contract, who dis? Oh, well. <laughs> uh, then Coach Tomlin curving us. was asked about his new offensive coordinator. Uh, was this your question, Mike? I'm not sure. Like in terms of, of you talked about the kind of the unknown with Cleveland's no, it's still personnel. There's there's really no book on Randy Feigner in terms of what he does as an offensive coordinator, other than the fact that the offense. Does, I like that. You know, <laughs> I like that. Can can you use that as an advantage for your team as well? Certainly, um, and, and one that we intend to. Um, I, I think sometimes. There's, you know, there's challenges that come with transition. There's mm -hmm. also benefits or unintended consequences and, and not being able to anticipate his rhythms, his nuances, or the things that he holds near and dear is, mm. is part of the advantage of the transition. Transition to the new offensive coordinator. Let's put that through the translator. Ben is calling all the plays. Okay, <laughs> uh, and so then the next question <laughs> was about – the backup quarterback because you know the the decision to cut Landry that must have been a tough one. Mike, did you um, talk about the decision to let Landry go and keep Josh? Uh, yeah, it was a very difficult decision, and and you know re really wasn't about what Landry did or didn't do. It was what about it was about what Josh did. Right, let's put that through the translator. There. It wasn't difficult. Landry has always been terrible. Well, that is, okay. Well, you know, and there was a part two to this question. We've always acknowledged that his mobility is an asset to him. I think we all got comfortable um, with his prudent use of it or his prudent displays of use of it. Talking about dogs. Uh, over the course yeah. of the preseason. Um, it's helpful to him. It's helpful to us. Um, we just got really comfortable with his growth and development. Okay. I'll put that. In three years. The only growth Landry showed was that creepy porn stash on his upper lip. Uh, and then, you know, he was asked about, you know, if the guy's job was in jeopardy, why didn't he play more? I think a lot of the reaction to that move from the outside has been, well, if the job was up for competition, why didn't Landry play more in the preseason then to secure his job? Did you guys feel as if you had seen everything you needed to see from Landry? Guys, I've been very transparent about this process in terms of how we distribute reps. Okay, let's put that to, to the translator. He no longer had to prove to us how terrible he was. <laughs> we saw it enough. We take him at his stink. <laughs> we take him at his stink? Yeah. Uh, all right, so, I mean, look, wow. you know, because sometimes it's hard to parse through the, the meaning, you know, the words to get to the meaning, anyways. Uh, and he it was only asked, takes a while. Mike, I believe this was your question about uh, Todd Haley. It was. How much does the change of personnel perhaps oh, second, throw, right? you know, take out 
take you have to take that into consideration is that Todd's coaching different guys than he was with here. Uh, that's always an element of the equation. Um, you know, if you got red paint, you paint your barn red. You know, we use that analogy in coaching a lot. Um, I'm sure Todd is going to work to paint his barn whatever color the paint it is that he has. Okay, uh, through the transmitter. But I bet you that he puts a mechanical bull in that barn gets kicked out of it by week two. <laughs> he was asked about tight end Vince McDonald. What are, what are the last hurdles Vance McDonald needs to go through going through to get back to the practice court? I'll know more once he participates tomorrow. He's going to be at least a partial participant tomorrow, and we'll see what the, the result of that work is, how that work feels, and I'll be able to provide you more information based on that. Right through the translator. Thanks for reminding me that dude was on the team. <laughs> totally forgot. Where has he been? I haven't seen him in a while. And lastly, he was asked about his opponent this weekend being featured on HBO's Hard Knocks. Mike, when you have a team that's your week one opponent is like Hard Knocks, what, if anything, can you glean from that to use for your preparation? I don't know. I don't watch. All right, put that through. I watch it every week. The only things I have gleaned from it are don't take financial advice from Carl Nassib. Crystals don't make you good at football. And if I lose to that clown convention in week one, I'm going to have to be thoughtfully non-rhythmic about getting my resume in order. Well, there you go. There's the, the real meaning. The gym I have has a, a steam room, but uh, I'm pretty sure it hasn't been cleaned since Myron Cope was in there yeah. in, this, in the late, late 70s. Disease. You're going to get it. Yeah, definitely getting Legionnaire's disease in that thing. I don't. I, I had a bad experience at a steam room once, and I, I just won't go back. It was like, like Bob Airy? Uh, kind of. Like John Travolta was in there. Travolta? It was like hey, I couldn't hey, see anything, and then when I could, it was just all the Junk. guys were naked in there. And I was like, <laughs> oh, God. Try to picture Myron in a steam room. <laughs> what sort just, of toxins were getting sweated out there? Uh, just half like, of it was steam, half of it was cigarette smoke. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you shouldn't smoke in here, Myron. I think that kind of crosses out the wow, effect. Sure is steamy in here. That's not steam. That's, <laughs> that's smoke. Randy Bellman and the DVE Morning Show. Do you guys know what today is? No. Really? No. Oh, well, I'll tell you what it is. Today is Steeler... Friday, Val, for That's crying right. out loud. Yeah. The Pittsburgh Steelers and the Cleveland Browns going at it this Sunday at 1 o'clock. We'll talk with Stefan to it. 8.45, getting you ready for week one. The, <laughs> the tenor of the the discussion around Le'Veon Bell from the Steelers' locker room, anyway, seems to have changed drastically. But you can be sure they're still pretty pissed he's not going to be there. I'm still, like, in the back of my mind, holding out some hope that he's going to show up before week 10. I don't really have faith that that's going to happen, but I, I just can't let go of it. I think I'm being overly cynical so that I can be surprised when he shows up next week. I don't think you're going to be surprised. Guys? Is Lev here? This what if they go sucks. on a huge winning streak without him? And he's like, um... Maybe I want to get in on this. This well, backfired. Isn't he? Aren't they like eleven and five without him, or ten and six, or something I like don't that? Know that? Mike, Mike has that. I know. We got Dave Damashek from the NFL Network coming up for you. Plus, we're going to eulogize Burt Reynolds' mustache with uh, our buddy Adam Cosgrove from the American Mustache Institute. Which, Just his mustache. Yes. Lots of people are eulogizing his body of work, his life. We're just eulogizing his mustache this morning. 
Val's got your news right now on DV. What's up? <laughs> Here's the Channel 11 Severe Weather Center forecast brought to us by Bridgeville Appliance. Oh, sure. 68 degrees at DVE. The news is brought to us by Mattress Firm. Gamblers are placing their bets on who wrote that anonymous New York Times article about the resistance in the White House. According to PredictIt.org, Director of National Intelligence Dan Coats has the best chance of being the author at 18%. <laughs> Vice President Mike Pence comes in second. Uh, Homeland Security Secretary Kristen Nielsen comes in third with a 10% chance. Betters can bet on any of the choices for the author. Are there a uh, thousand choices? <laughs> there might be. I, I know a lot of people came out yesterday and said, not me, boss. Wasn't me. Didn't do it. There was a great tweet by Jess Dweck, who is, uh, she's a Hall of Famer on Twitter. Uh, she said... <laughs> Like, what does it say about you when you can't narrow down who wrote the awful stuff about you to a few hundred people? (laughs) (laughs) So BBC did a linguistics breakdown of it. You know, those dorky British people. They got nothing better to do. Lodestar. And their conclusion was that the language used, the meter, the words, the wording clearly indicates that Mike Pence wrote it. I can't believe that no, would be that, true. That would be just cannot too, believe that too would be crazy. True. It couldn't be that dumb to do that. Uh, I don't. You know, they they talk about the voice, passive voice is something that is used throughout the op-ed, and that's something His that tense. Pence has employed a lot in the past. It look there's a whole breakdown at BBC.com if you want to go check it out, and they're like, uh, it's Pence. What if he slipped up somewhere and it was like, me and mother were talking the other night. (laughs) I mean, my wife and I. (laughs) Uh, Can you imagine ever envisioning a point in history where someone in the White House would be writing anonymous op-eds, a senior administration official saying, the guy in charge is crazy, but we're too nervous about actually invoking the amendment that will get rid of them because of how much uh, fallout. Uh, yeah, fallout there'll be. So don't worry, everybody. We're really steering the car, and the crazy guy is just yelling at passing motorists. We got it under control. Yeah, but they don't they realize what this is going to do to the crazy guy? Yes. That, that's 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 the really scary part now of it. Now he's all. not going to trust anybody. Now he doesn't. Ivanka. He can't say anonymous. He lost his word. He's losing words. Last night he gave a speech, where was he, in Montana? Montana, yeah. And he tried to talk about the op-ed being written by a gutless anonymous person, and he failed twice to say anonymous. the word. Anonymous. 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 Which, you know. Hey, that's the president of the United States. A lot of people mis- misspeak. It's not a big deal. It just sounded very weird. Like, coming from him, who I'm just so used to him being, I don't know, confident when he gives these speeches. You got it, Val? Yeah. All right, go ahead. Is the op-ed published in the failing New York Times by an anonymous, really an anonymous, gutless coward? He's got a little Lou Holtz thing going on there. Maybe he just hadn't had his morning kafefe yet. (laughs) I don't know. I'm very nervous. (laughs) Very, very nervous. I just think he's on pills that dry him out, and he's... He can't talk sometimes. Uh, that he gets be very it. dry yeah. mouth. That that that's all. That may be it. Really? That's all that is. Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> really? 
You can't take those big words with you, Le'Veon. Uh, The Clark Bar is back. Altoona-based Boyer Candy Company purchased the candy bar on Thursday. Boyer already makes the Mallow Cup candy bar. The Clark Bar's history rooted in the north side here in Pittsburgh where David Clark created it in 1886. Mallow Cups are good, but I got a problem with the name. Mallow Cup does not sound like a great uh, candy. No. It's just marshmallow inside. It's like a Reese's cup with marshmallow, right? Is that a mallow cup? Like f- fluffer, fluff yeah. type stuff. Marshmallow yeah. fluff. Wait, can I borrow your mallow cup? We're going. Uh, we're playing baseball this weekend. And- <laughs> <laughs> I need put, an extra one. Put this over your mallows, and uh, <laughs> they'll protect everything. More and more teenagers are getting nipped and tucked, according to data collected by the American teenagers? Society. Teenagers. Yes. 229,000 teenagers had plastic surgery last year. Oh, that's sad. Because the average millennial will take over 25,000 selfies in his or her lifetime. That's a lot of social media pressure on teenagers to have work done. There's more and filters. more teenagers seem to be going through with it. There's filters, kids. Yeah. They're free. I'm guessing, they don't have stats here, I'm guessing boob jobs and nose jobs. Because nose you can nose get, jobs I can see. The if somebody has a real honker. Well, I mean, look at the the youngest <laughs> Kardashian. What was her name? Kylie. I don't know. The one who's going to be a, a billionaire with her new makeup line I don't or know. whatever. The two of them, I can't distinguish. Kylie well, and Kylie Kendall. I don't know which one's like which. The, um, she's the younger one who does the the plumpy lip thing that started that challenge online. The fish lip thing. Yeah, and then she got a boob job when she was a teenager, and a lot of people are, you know, I mean, these people are influencers and. Yeah. They're like, oh, yeah, well, why not start now? She got a couple mallow cups. <laughs> Pizza is dangerous. Data from the U.S. Consumer Product Safety Commission reveals that in 2017, 2,300 people had to go to the emergency room for pizza-related injuries. Where were they putting it? They include cutting themselves, <laughs> slicing the pizza, burning themselves on pans, slipping and falling while carrying pizza and even falling out of bed while reaching for a slice of pizza i'm surprised that burning that ridgy thing on the roof of your mouth wasn't yeah on the list took a hot bubbly to the chin (laughs) you don't know that'll that'll really ruin your day i mean a hot bubbly to the chin You could be going to Kennywood, and if you do that, you know, on your lunch, if you burn your mouth on a French bread pizza, you won't enjoy a second no. of it. No, nope. and then the skin hangs down. <laughs> yeah, what is that all about? I uh, like those old cars that you had to tack up the ceiling. <laughs> yeah, dude. Yeah, my like my brother had an '84 old Cutlass that was all thumb tacked up the whole like, top what, of it. What is this Jersey material? You know, uh, they um, uh, the Tony's pizzas. Oh, yeah. That had the pepperoni, pepperoni cups. Yeah, they, and they curled would, up and burn on the edge. And they would fill with yes. scalding hot oil. <laughs> yes, it was the greatest. If, if you ate it right away, if you didn't let that thing cool off, you were basically eating fryer grease. <laughs> yeah. Straight out of the fryer. <laughs> and it would, I mean, just, it would change the complexion of the of your palate your 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 <laughs> mouth would be inexorably changed i have Scarred. like dents in there from tony's pizzas in the roof of my mouth i swear <laughs> to god yep Just taste buds that you killed and will never come back no it's like the saving private ryan theme plays in my head when i think about it <laughs> searing its way into and if it ever gets near that little sinus blowhole you have in there 
Look out. What? What's Where's that thing your called? sinus blowhole? Your epiglottis? No, what's the thing that comes down from your sinuses That's into your, you? your dangly thing in there? No, not the uvula. Oh, what's the Wait. epiglottis? I'm very confused. I don't know. You can catch sinus blowholes at Howlers tonight. That's <laughs> furious hardcore punk. It's great. All right. I was going to say, what is the epiglottis? Shit! It's the thing it's that the, bounces up and down when Bob Wiley says, It's the flap so of cartilage at the roof of the tongue, which is depressed during swallowing to cover the opening of the windpipe. Told you. That's not the dangly thing. It's the reason, reason I can't breathe at night. That's, What's the hole that comes called? down from your nose, though, into your mouth? Sinal. Uh, sinal. Sinal. Yeah, that's how it starts. Sinal. Sinus cavity? Are you talking about yeah, the yeah. sinus cavity? Yeah, I know. But, yeah, but your sinus cavities... Yeah. Have access to your throat. The reason you like get, get post nasal drip, you mean? Yeah. No idea. All right. Call an anatomy guy, an anatomist. <laughs> we'll, we'll figure that out. Terry Crews has settled his lawsuit with a Hollywood anatomist. talent agent he accused of groping him. William Morris Endeavor tells USA Today a deal has been reached in the lawsuit which Crews launched against Adam Bennett. And the agency last December for assault, battery, and sexual harassment would be dismissed. After the news broke, Cruz tweeted a one-word message, accountability. The Brooklyn Nine-Nine star claims Bennett groped his privates at a Hollywood event hosted by Adam Sandler in February of 2016. Bennett does plan to retire from the agency next week. That's just a hard one to grasp. Because Terry Crews is such a big dude, you would think anybody that would mess with him would be getting their ass kicked. Right. Well, didn't he say he wanted to do that? And his wife, I, I, if I remember correctly, he said he did want to like beat the snot out of the guy, but his wife stopped him. Right. And the other guy that has come forward from Hollywood claiming to have been uh, assaulted was Brendan Fraser. And it really screwed him up mm -hmm. because nobody believed him. And then he had to do all those mummy movies. <laughs> There's a good, I think it was in GQ. Uh, an article on like what he's doing now and what he's gone through and everything. Mm -hmm. I actually like that guy a lot. I didn't. I didn't used to think twice about Brendan Fraser, but I read that article. I'm like, oh wow, that's got to be a hard transition for him, and he seems to be making it seamlessly. Not, not seamlessly, but you know. But to your not point, not as rough as others. Yeah. Like that, someone would even think that they could approach Terry Crews yes. and do something that he might not like. That speaks to how powerful those guys feel mm -hmm. so like i can, can do, do whatever, whatever i want two late members of leonard skinner are set to be inducted into the oklahoma music hall of fame guitarist steve Gaines and his sister uh cassie yes backup singer cassie Gaines will be inducted tomorrow and author chuck klosterman are you giving me the wrap-up do time? one more yeah no nah, this is too long i can't do it Okay. It's uh, Chuck Klosterman ranked all of Van Halen's 131 songs. Oh, save that. I yeah. don't want to give that short shrift. Humid today, cloudy, near 80 for the high. It's 73 at DVE. So the reason uh, we had to move on is because with Burt Reynolds passing, uh, I thought it would be nice to call our friend Adam Cosgrove from the American Mustache Institute, who, uh, which is located right here in Pittsburgh. He joins us now. Adam, good morning. How are you? Are you there? Do we have Adam on the line? He's morning. Okay, now we should have him. Are you there, Adam? I'm here. Good morning. Morning, buddy. Good morning. Uh, I'm sorry for your loss. It's a somber day. It is. No doubt about it. Now, hold on one second here. Now, that music bed seems to be popping through a little bit too loud there. Can we bring that down? Thank you, Joe. Okay. Adam, I'm sorry for the mustache world's loss. Well, truly, this is a loss you know, for everybody. 
but it hits us especially hard. It does. It does. And uh, you've done us the honor of eulogizing Bert's mustache this morning. And uh, here is Adam Cosgrove remembering one of the most important and finest mustaches in the history of the United States. R.I.P. Burt Reynolds mustache. My name is Dr. Adam Paul Cosgrove. I am a mustached American, and I love Burt Reynolds. We at the Institute, your American Mustache Institute, have been fighting for the rights of folks to enjoy, without prejudice or stereotype, the sexually dynamic mustache. <laughs> there was a time not long ago where being so bold as to let the back of your hair touch your collar, to permit the sideburn to creep past the top of your ear, to enter into a public space without touching razor to face before exiting your front door was simply unheard of. The 40s and 50s into the 60s even were a dark time for our people. And then with the flower power revolution of the 60s, things escalated quickly and disrupted social norms in a polarizing fashion. But between these two sides emerged a figure born of pure machismo, rugged <laughs> handsomeness, and the charisma of a ne'er-do-well who men wanted to be and women wanted to be with. We knew him by many names. Bandit. J.J. McClure. Jack Horner. Burt. <laughs> but at the end of the day, fiction and reality were often blurred because Reynolds was the definition of a star. And more importantly, to those of us living this lifestyle, he was a mustache-leading man. I think back to when we launched the Mustache Hall of Fame in 2015. My colleagues and I spent a considerable amount of time ruminating on who ought to be a part of the inaugural class. Raucous debates were, were held in the hollowed halls of the Institute. Bourbon and red meat were consumed by the leader. <laughs> and in the end, everyone won some and lost some. But collectively, there was never a doubt on which individual embodied all that is right in owning and operating a lower nose forester unit. Bert Reynolds. <laughs> <laughs> Friends, yesterday we lost one of the greats. A man who posed nude on a bear rug with a cigarette in his mouth and a mustache above it and managed to make himself an icon. What Bert taught us was that anyone could shave their mustache. Sure, they'd look like every other woman or child out there, but they can do that. The safe route. The bird showed us that there was a lifestyle waiting to be taken by the horns, waiting to be embraced by those bold enough to eschew the razor for that last 10%. Those willing to lay upon the center of their face a bold centerpiece that states with unabashed confidence... <laughs> I am a man. <laughs> Burt Reynolds' legacy will echo into eternity. I'm reminded of a passage from the Dead Sea Scrolls that I'd like to share with you all. <laughs> from the Dead Sea Scrolls? Okay, way back. Especially poignant now. Every time a mustache is shaved, an angel falls from heaven. That's in the Dead Sea Scrolls? <laughs> realize that. Burt knew the power of his mouth, brow. <laughs> embraced and embodied the sexual dynamism that comes with the mustached American lifestyle. He knew his place among our people and the power he wielded, and he did it responsibly. There were none like him before him, and there won't be any more after him. We lived in a world that had the honor of hosting Burt Reynolds, and we're all better because of it. 
Rest in peace, Bert. Adam Cosgrove from the American yeah, Mustache wow. Institute with the definitive remembrance of Burt Reynolds. Thoughtful, balanced. mustache. Adam, thank you. Is there anything going on at the Institute that people should know about? Uh, well, we'll be collectively traveling down to Richmond, Virginia at the end of the month to induct, uh, to induct this year's uh, members of the Hall of Fame. So uh, that's where... Have they, have they been chosen yet, the new inductees? Uh, they have. Again... Uh, many many liters of bourbon and red meat were consumed. We came up with with the folks that we believe will will represent our people best this year. Okay. When we're, a legend like this dies, do you guys fly the flag at half mustache for the day, or how do you how do you address that? Flag, uh, pants, everything's half staff. <laughs> <laughs> Adam, carry on, and thank you, sir, for eulogizing one of the all time greatest mustaches in American cinema his, cinematic history. We appreciate it. Thanks, all. Okay, on. we'll see him. Fellow Erieite. Mm-hmm. Cathedral Prep grad, Adam Cosgrove there. Pit, wonderful. Pit grad. Uh, what do you got coming up uh, here uh, around the, the top of the hour? Are we going to do the Van Halen thing at 8? Uh, hopefully we can get to it. Cool. Yeah. Dave Damashek from the NFL Network. Preston Lacey from Jackass. Sean Collier's in the studio. Stefan Tuitt from the Pittsburgh Steelers at 845. And Mike, get you ready for week one of the NFL next. DVE. All right, week one of the NFL this Sunday, Steelers-Browns, and uh, no shortage of drama leading up to week one in a year that we were hoping would be drama-free, soap opera, all in the past. Instead, it's the Pittsburgh Steelers, brought to you again this season by Dramamine. Yeah. (laughs) You know, last year there was just so much. Every week there was a story. We went through the timeline uh, at one point last year. Of the week to week, whatever the story of the week was, that's how many there were. It was. Remember, it started even during the draft when Martavis went off on Instagram when they picked Juju. Mm -hmm. And then it was Bryant in camp, and when's he going to be reinstated? And it it just went off from there, the national anthem stuff. Uh, But the tone and tenor of what we heard from the Steelers' locker room yesterday. Uh, seemed to be a little bit of an about face. Yeah, David DeCastro, uh, the line of the day was, we like Le'Veon, no hard feelings. And uh, it, was, it was 180 degrees different 24 hours before that. Now, I, I should clarify that. I, I didn't hear anybody, when they were going off on him not being there, say he's an a-hole or we don't like him. Mm-hmm. They did not like what he was doing. Right. They were adamant about that. But uh, DeCastro reining it in a little bit. And Mike Tomlin also uh, trying to control the message. Uh, This is one thing he does really well. Uh, We talked on Wednesday how useless I think those Tuesday press conferences are. Mm -hmm. But I think one of Mike Tomlin's strengths as a coach is his ability to manage these potential distractions and keep everybody with their eye on the ball as much as possible. Uh, Tomlin does not normally talk after practice on Thursday. Thursday is coordinator Thursday on the south side. Now, you can request him, Mm -hmm. but he kind of gives it the right of first refusal. You can ask somebody, hey, I'd like to talk to the coach. Well, it's like I talk about Le'Veon Bell. Okay, then forget it. Well, yesterday he acquiesced to speak, and he spoke about Le'Veon Bell, and he talked about the developments of Bell not coming Monday and then not coming Wednesday and the team reacting the way it did. He talked about that stuff as a total non-factor in the way the Steelers are getting ready to play the Cleveland Browns. I've been very thoughtful about my words. I've been very thoughtful about my approach uh, with the staff in terms of our planning with the players, with you guys. 
Um, I didn't want to get into speculation. I didn't want to waste time and energy uh, because it's just that. It's a waste of time. I told you guys initially uh, when we opened training camp that the two most important variables was when he showed up and once he showed up, uh, the condition that he was in. Until that time, we were going to remain, remain focused on those that were working and their preparation. And so um, that remains the same. That has been our approach, um, and appropriately so, because now we're not riding this wave um, we're, we're preparing to play a football game with those that have been here and working, and, uh, and, and I just believe that that's the right way to approach it. When he gets here, the level of conditioning and overall readiness, those are equations that will will weigh once he gets here. Until that time, this is where our focus is. Mike, so nothing you... has changed from my perspective or our perspective based on what's transpired in the last number of days. Zero. In other words, the players were saying they expected him to show up. Tom would say, no, organizationally, we did not. We are waiting for him to show up. You heard of when he gets here, which implies pretty specifically they expect him at some point. Then they will evaluate his conditioning and readiness and make decisions based off that. But for the time being, at least, it's still a holding pattern. Mm-hmm. Browns on Sunday. I, strong message, I thought. And, and he, I, the distractions are hard to deal with, but he is very good at – setting a tone that we're not going to let this interfere. Well, he's had a lot of practice. Yeah, yes. <laughs> yes, he has. Uh, a couple things to try to clarify the spell situation. Well, uh, and that, it's good that you're doing that because it seems that, you know, in, you guys were just talking about an off-air that there are a number of national pundits, and Bill, this was driving you nuts, that didn't understand the dynamics of what was actually going on. It was, it was driving me crazy. They don't yesterday. understand the me- the mechanics of what the Steelers can and can't do. He has to, to play this year, he has to sign the franchise tender. Okay, so he cannot have a long-term contract negotiated under that by the Steelers. If they would sign him and trade him to Carolina, he has to play for Carolina under the franchise tender. The only thing he can earn this year is what is stipulated in the franchise tender. Well, he he has to get at least $14.55 million. Now, they they can give him more than that, but that, to my knowledge, has never been done with a a franchise or a transition guy because that would just open. Because it's usually pretty high. And it's, yeah. Defeat the purpose of having it. Right. Um, It's good compensation. I mean, it. It, that, it's the point of it, is yeah. to make it the aggregate of the that highest. You're giving up yes. your ability to shop yourself, so you're getting a lot of money right. to play one year. Um, he's got to play, according to the CBA, we've been throwing around the 10 weeks figure, because he, he can miss 10 weeks and still come in. He has to play or be on injured reserve at full pay for six games in the regular season to get an accrued season. Now, the asterisk to that is... He could show up after 10 weeks, and if the Steelers really wanted to screw him, put his uh, nuts in a vice, they could put him on the uh, commissioner's exempt list for two weeks, which does not count toward an accrued season. And then he only gets four games, and then guess what? You didn't get your year, so you're still not a free agent. So he has to show up in oh. week eight. If he's thinking that far ahead and if they've researched it. So it's a, there's a lot of levels to this. Uh, who knows when he's going to come? I, I honestly to God thought he would come for the regular season. I, he still might come next week. I know I'm might, the only person guess, saying that. But I don't what if know. he shows up Saturday? Well, would that So you missed the first game. Is that just like a final point you're trying to make? Or, yeah, uh, I think I, putting a scare into the team. You're playing the Browns. You should be able to beat them with that left belt. I, I'm, I am rationalizing here. Yeah, hey, yeah, that's as sensible as anything else. Who I, knows what he's thinking? Because really. I don't understand his strategy 
in all of this other than to protect himself to get a better deal next year. But to give up $8 million in the quest to do that seems sort of counterproductive. does to me. And the other thing I think, and we hit this a lot yesterday, but it bears repeating, uh, keeping his teammates out of the loop I think is really pissing them off. Well, that was the reason I think for that reaction that you got right away. If they no would, question. You know, they've had their text exchanges or if he would acquiesce to meet them face-to-face somewhere and just say, hey, look, guys, this is the way it is. I'm coming in for the Denver game. I'll see you in November. I got to do what I got to do. I think they would feel better about that. Hearing Ramon Foster go off doesn't set off any alarms for me in terms of how he'd be accepted. When Pouncey turns, when Pouncey was the one being critical, that's when I think Le'Veon Bell has a potential issue with his teammates. Yeah, I, you know, he might, and that might never be repaired, but I, I believe this. I don't care whether they like him or don't like him. When he comes back, if they decide he's ready and in shape and they give him the ball and he starts making plays, it'll be fine. Really? It, you, you know, they don't have to sing Kumbaya <laughs> in the locker room. Right. Uh, it's all about winning. If he can help them win, then they won't have an issue that they can't work around. I think that they were the most pissed because what he did by not showing up Wednesday signified what he's basically telling them by his actions and not showing up is saying, hey, look, I'm just trying to stay as healthy as possible so I can go make the most money for another team. Yeah. And I think they might respect if he would just tell them that. Right. If, he could clean all this up and you know end the speculation by just saying his intentions and what he's doing. And instead, according to Foster, the text messages were, when are you coming in? And the response was, I don't even know. That's what you tell somebody you really don't want to deal with on a certain issue, right? Hey, you want to go to the movies? Ah, I don't know. I'll get back to you. That's what Randy always texts me. Dave Damashek <laughs> from the NFL Network coming up on the DVE Morning Show. It's the DVE Morning Show. Joining us right now from the NFL Network for the 23rd consecutive year, Dave Damashek, yeah. Pittsburgh's own, Pittsburgh's right. favorite son, gone to L.A. and uh, and uh, not gone Hollywood, though. How are you, sir? Yeah. Uh, what's happening, fellas? <laughs> Listen, sincere thanks to open the season up here. This is, uh, I say it every year. What did you, 23 years? Man, I it can't believe doesn't it. doesn't seem like it's been that long. Yeah. It does, I, I can tell you that it literally doesn't seem like it's been 23 years. <laughs> here we are. Um, and, uh, they, you know, of all the, the nonsense, uh, this is this is the greatest. I, I can't believe I get to be on the on the air with uh, Pittsburgh's finest uh, radio show um, to kibitz about black and gold related matters. This is a, the 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 thrill of my uh, my adult life. Or in the top, uh, I don't know, top twenty three or so, or something like that. Well, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's, it's, things are in a state of flux here in Steeler Nation, as you know, right now. With I heard, I heard about the, that. The 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 players. Uh, not not, uh, your usual uh, set of circumstances there. Teeing off on Le'Veon Bell for not being there. Normally, they'd have their teammates back in any contract negotiation. Yeah, I know. Uh, I I heard uh, what Mike Pence said about Le'Veon Bell. And uh, (laughs) wait, wait, he, I forget, Ramon Foster wrote a... Op-ed piece to the no. New York Times. Oh, you're thinking of that, no. That's load, that's a different resistance. That's, that's Load Star. You're thinking of, which, which is a porn star from San Antonio, I believe. <laughs> oh, 
wait a second. I thought Lodestar was uh, the Steelers' new running back. No. Now, I'm getting very confused. I don't know. All I know is this. Let's jump to the end of things, and then we can figure out Levy and Bell and what's going on, or perhaps we won't figure it out. Here's what we have to do. I don't want to get into I don't want to get into rah rah mode right out of the gate, fellas. But this is where we are. James Conner and Stephen Ridley. This is it. This is like Norman Dale standing on the court in front of the 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 Huskers, the Hickory Huskers fan base in that high school gym with the four or five guys lined up behind him, and and Damashek is here to tell you right now. This is your team. This is who you have to respect because they're the ones who put out the effort, and that's where we are. You don't have to like it. That's the reality. You know, you can you can hate it all you want, but if you want to see the Steelers advance, then you got to get on board right now. This is what we have. This is your team. Jimmy Connor, go behind that great <laughs> offensive line and run the glory. And I can say this, too. Let me just say one thing. I'm sorry. I've gotten into filibuster no, mode. Please. I didn't expect no, to. No, but, no, roll. But, now, but now I'm there. Let me tell you something. There's a, there is a team that resides on the wrong side of the Ohio-Pennsylvania border. A laughing stock. A would-be rival, except that they never beat the Steelers. So, of course, they can't be a rival. And I could be talking. I know I'm being vague because that applies to either team that resides in Ohio, but I'm talking about the one on the northern end of things, the Cleveland Browns. High hopes. This team is going to the playoffs. We're going to shock the world, says their uh, says their coach, Hugh Jackson. Oh, they can't wait for the Steelers to get to town because they remember 52 weeks ago when the Steelers rolled in there and kind of things broke their way and they, they escaped with a victory there. The Browns are pointing at that as evidence that this is our year. This is the year we take down the Steelers. This is the year in week one where we begin our glorious rise to the playoffs, improbably with Tyrod Taylor or Baker Mayfield or anybody else. But here come the Pittsburgh Steelers, ready to play dream breaker once again. We roll in. We kill two birds with one stone. We dash the Browns' hopes, and at the same time, we boost our confidence in the locker room. Wait a minute. We have enough to make a deep playoff run without 26. <laughs> We're going to ride Jimmy Connor, number seven, the future <laughs> Hall of Famer, the best wide receiver since Randy Moss, at least, Antonio Brown. We're going to rely on the black and gold. And we're going to take that as far as we can take it with 26 or without. Get on board or scram. Let's go, Steelers. This is where we are. This is what we have to do now. Right off the bat, you got us running through a wall. I love it. Oh, my God. That's how I feel. That's how I feel, fellas. That's that's how it's got to be. What else are we going to do? I don't know. Sit around and weep? Should we weep? Who's 26? Who's 26? So what are we going to do without you? No, we're the Steelers. We turn Italian when right. we weep. Uh, we be Italians. What, yeah, I mean, look. It's another happy Sunday. Yeah, no, it's not the happy Sunday. <laughs> Who is this lone star? And, uh, he's so good behind the offensive line. We love this lone star. You know, here's the thing. If we lose to a team that employs a coach who has a gut that is the size of the Rock of Gibraltar, <laughs> we're in trouble. The guy can't. Are you talking about Todd Haley? No, the, <laughs> no, wrong No, I know. I said I was going to go as uh, Haley for Halloween this year, just wear cargo shorts that go to my shins, uh, uh, a fishing hat, and just gut it out all October. <laughs> just go for a big tequila gut. 
Now, Bob like Wiley, knee, by Bob, the way. What's that? I like the fact, though, that Todd Haley basically is doing the Mike Pence thing, and uh, instead of writing anonymous op-ed pieces, he just, whenever Hugh Jackson isn't around on Hard Knocks, he's bellyaching about Hugh Jackson to the rest of the staff, like, mm-hmm. whoa, oh, this guy with the schedule-making, right? We don't we don't have any lives the way he likes to make the schedule. All insinuating, hey, let's, uh, when Hugh goes, uh, I'll be the main man. Yeah, you stick with me. We're going to be in good shape. Oh, there's, uh, I mean, there is a silent coup afoot in Cleveland if there ever was. No and the, Soft coup. Yeah, there's soft coup is <laughs> happening right now. But the funny thing about that is his, like, Hugh Jackson looks uh, never has a coach looked so pointless in a hard knock season. Like, I'm not exactly sure why he needs to be there. He looks like one of the Tommy Davidson characters <laughs> from In Living Color that, like, busts into a room, makes a funny face, says nothing consequential, and leaves. <laughs> that is, you, you are exactly right. And, in fact, when he's cutting guys, I don't know if you saw the – the season finale with uh, him talking to Baker Mayfield. This is the franchise. I mean, you know, Terod Taylor's a great guy and uh, underrated and everything, but clearly at some point sooner rather than later, they got to go with the first overall pick here. This is, you know, uh, he uh, Mayfield clearly has a relationship with the GM John Dorsey, with uh, Todd Haley, right. with everybody else. But with Hugh Jackson, like, hey, now keep on doing what you're doing now, okay? Okay? All right. Uh, yeah, uh, look, you can, well, look, I'm proud of you. Proud of you. Want you to know, love you to death now. Okay, okay. <laughs> Baker Mayfield's like, what the hell am I doing? I'm not. I'm never going to get these four <laughs> minutes of my life back now. What a, what a, That's basically the interaction that the head coach has with the franchise player. It's bizarre. It really is. It is it summons. It is so crazy, dude. Dave, Baker Mayfield is the senior in high school sitting down with the principal five days before graduation, and the principal's trying to tell him now, uh, look. I need you to be on your best behavior here this week, and I'm counting mm-hmm. on you, and you're a leader, and I'm real proud of you. And he's going, I'm not going to even deal with you for the rest of my life in a very short period of time. Nothing you say <laughs> is sticking to me right now. And you remember at the not beginning of Hard Knocks where he was like, ooh, Josh Gordon's here. Josh Gordon's here, everybody. The big fish. I saw and the Todd fish. And Todd Haley was like, is he practicing? <laughs> like, I don't care. Is he on the field? The best, the best moment to me, and there were some uh, some great moments in this year's Hard Knocks. But the funniest one to me is when Hugh Jackson walks into the room and Todd Haley's belly aching about we need these and Greg Williams, uh, we need these guys to practice. And right. Hugh Jackson gets into the the whole diatribe like, hey now, hey okay, this is how I when you're the top guy you can do it your way okay, but my but uh, you know I'm running the ship now okay, and this is how we do it here and this this, this works for us okay. Hey Hugh. You're one in thirty-one. Nothing you're doing has worked. <laughs> you know, this is how we do it. Hey, Hugh, here's what you should do. You should go look in the mirror and say, you know how we've done things the last two years. Let's do the exact opposite of all. <laughs> what a, how how delusional can a human being be to sit in front of a gro- a room filled with other grown men and and announce, hey, this is how we do things because it works for us, in spite of the fact that you just went zero and sixteen. <laughs> hey, this was. We like we like where we're tracking here. We're tracking here. And this is the team that's supposed to beat the Steelers on Sunday. I say that. I say the next time we speak. I say the next time we speak. If the Steelers can emerge victorious from Cleveland. I suspect, I know things are grim right now. This suddenly feels like a massive gut punch 
to all the hopes and dreams of everybody who remembers what happened in the divisional round in Heinz Field last January, what happened in Foxborough the preceding uh, January. It all has boiled down to this. We knew going in, we knew this back in February. We know it now. This is the last go-round for what is truly an iconic trio of offensive greatness. It's crazy that the Steelers have future Hall of Famer, Big Ben Roethlisberger, perhaps one of the 10 best quarterbacks of the Super Bowl era. They have Levy and Bell, who right now stands as the best running back in the NFL. And like I say, Antonio Brown, the best receiver of the century. And this trio may not even get so far as a Super Bowl. It's crazy to think. It's depressing to think. But here we are. This is the situation that we find ourselves in. And I do think if they can win, it will occur to them, and perhaps already has, the guys in the locker room, we have enough to make a point. We, we have enough uh, in the locker room to make a run with or without 26. And I think if they win in Cleveland with that evidence, I think all of a sudden this becomes a rallying point for the team. All that jive about no one outside this locker room believes in us happens to be true. All of a sudden, you take 26 out, no one believes in the Steelers. Maybe after, maybe in the locker room in Cleveland after a victory, maybe those guys in the locker room will believe it, and we will ride on the glory afterwards. Oh, from yes. your mouth to God's ears, Dave Damashek with us uh, from the NFL Network, the Steelers and the Browns Sunday at 1 o'clock. It's football season. Dave Damashek from the NFL Network. Dave, thank you as always, sir. Always a pleasure. Fellas, shout out to uh, to Sister Amy and the family out there. I know you saw her at Ween. And, I saw her at the uh, Ween the Show. The mayor of Pittsburgh, the mayor of Pittsburgh, uh, Bauman, always doing uh, his uh, his good ambassadorship. Always a thrill that uh, you're so kind to my family. But shout out to everybody in Pittsburgh, PA. Come on, Steelers. We still got plenty of talent in there. We have at least enough to take down the lowly. Neck. We would just neck. neck. Where did that Neckin. term come from, necking? Well, that's what it kind of looks like. You know, if you were looking at two people, like, sort of from a distance, it looks like they're just bumping necks. Joining necks? <laughs> yeah. Over there necking. Yeah, maybe you kiss the neck. <laughs> no. Francisco <laughs> Savelli. Happy neck day. Savelli, do you neck? No. 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 No neck. Not for me. I steal it the best. Randy Bellman and the DVE Morning Show. <laughs> I want there to be a Francisco Cervelli cartoon. <laughs> Just him going around doing stuff in, in town and helping people. Huh? What? You need to change your tire? <laughs> he, runs, he runs a pizza shop by day. He yeah. runs a pizza shop by day, plays baseball at night. Solves crimes at night. When's mm-hmm. the baseball happen? Seduces ladies. Hello. <laughs> Happy Monday! <laughs> Sounds kind of like a wild and crazy guy the more you do it. he Honestly, I love that dude so much. I wish the Pirates were in contention right now because it would be just super fun to hear from him on a daily basis. But if you follow him on social media, he's like having the best time all the time. Happy Sunday. Happy Sunday. Happy Sunday. <laughs> he's probably not going to be here next year. It's going to be a happy Sunday this Sunday. Hopefully for the Steelers taking on the Browns.
We got Stefan Tua coming up at 745. Preston Lacey from Jackass is in town doing shows at Club Cafe tonight. He'll be in studio momentarily. Val has a news update for you now. What's going on? Here's a Channel 11 Severe Weather Center forecast brought to us by Dormont Appliance. Dozier. It's 70 degrees now at DVE. The news is brought to us by Dollar Bank. One of the crowning features of the Flight 93 National Memorial in Shanksville will be dedicated this weekend. The Tower of Voices is a 93-foot tower with 40 handcrafted chimes that designers say would give voice to those who died when United Flight 93 crashed on 9-11. The dedication ceremony on Sunday will fall just before the annual commemoration on Tuesday. A report says more baby boomers and Gen Xers are smoking weed. Researchers published a report in the journal Drug and Alcohol Dependence, finding that 9% of people aged 50 to 64 used marijuana in the past year. That's double the amount in the same group in 2006. Researchers say more relaxed attitudes may be encouraging older people to try it. The report also finds marijuana users are more likely to drink alcohol, smoke cigarettes, and abuse drugs. I, I think I so people many... who abuse alcohol and smoke cigarettes are more likely to use marijuana is the way I would put it. Yeah, maybe. Yes. But I think with some, I mean, it's legal now in so many places. How could it not increase? Accessibility, better product. The stigma, like the fear of getting busted is gone. And well, a Elon lot of Musk went on Joe Rogan's pod- podcast yesterday. I just yesterday, saw that. And Joe Rogan fires up a blunt and Elon Musk, who has never smoked before, takes the blunt draws fairly big hit off of it and he said oh you probably can't smoke this because you're worried about investors huh and he goes well it's legal right and joe's like yeah and he goes yeah give it to me so then elon musk hits it he did not inhale if he would have inhaled a blunt and have had never smoked before that dude would still be coughing <laughs> right but blunts if, are the harshest if we start getting Elon Musk stoned. Think of the stuff he'll think up then. Oh, That's what word. I was saying. He came up with, let's fly a car into space. <laughs> Stone cold sober. He's high all the time. Everybody gets a hoverboard, man. I don't care. Just give them all hoverboards. Uh, I'm starting to question whether he's ever smoked weed before. <laughs> I mean, that doesn't sound... Like, his ideas don't sound like... That's true. Weed? That what guy who never gets down? How about he keeps calling that guy a pedophile? The, the, the guy's suing him now. Well, he said he had a child bride. Yeah, he's now... He's, <laughs> Elon Musk is like, well, sue me if it's not true. So the guy is suing him. Yeah. All right, fine. I'll sue you then. Imagine you have so much money, you're just like... I know he's not a pedophile, Sue but me. I'm just going to keep calling him that because it pisses him off. I just keep getting stoned at night, and I'm on Twitter, and I just feel like it's funny. Hey, pedo, how's your day going? <laughs> just taunting him. He just called my over. submarine stupid. <laughs> and it's all because he called his submarine stupid. Uh, it's just not practical. Like, if you saw the cave that they had to sneak those kids out, or that they sneak, like... Yeah, <laughs> like a pedophile would? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's just how I save people. I sneak them. Uh, beachgoer in China <laughs> might want to stick to swimming pools from now on after he was stung on the penis by a stingray Ouch. while swimming in the sea. Direct hit. The man managed... <laughs> Tough to pee on that. The guy managed to crawl onto the sand, rolling around in agony as the ray's barb was still firmly hooked onto his junk. Oh, oh it's barbed. Oh. Yeah, now, that's the thing. It's barbed. Oh. I guess, fortunately, the beach was crowded that day. For- uh, fortunately? Well, like really? somebody could save him. What? 
Suck out the poison! Suck out the poison! Suck out the poison! No problem. I'll do that for you. No problem. However, of course, before anybody jumped to his rescue, they whipped out their cell phones and made sure to film all of it. Uh, emergency oh, workers painful. did arrive on the scene, and because they didn't have proper tools to get the stingray off of him, they had to improvise. Uh, but they were able to finally detach the ray. Unfortunately, it died. Uh, the guy was taken to the <laughs> wait, hospital. Wait, 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 wait. Out. He went to the beach dragging the stingray behind him. Yes. That's what, Oh, dear. Like, he oh crawled my out God, of the that water. guy's got his kite terribly tangled. <laughs> 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 oh, my God. That's not a kite. Stop doing that to that stingray. <laughs> no, it's doing it to me. <laughs> the stingray just says, this is embarrassing for me as it is for you. Really? Oh, yeah. That stingray was going to catch a lot of hell from the other sharks. How did he? Mm, we figured that was the case, Larry. How did he not lose his junk? I don't know. Because, I mean, that not that what killed Steve Irwin? Yeah. So his went right through chest. his aorta. He might have had a chance to live, Steve Irwin, if he didn't pull it out. Mm. But because oh, when maybe. he because it's this guy didn't pull serrated? it out. Is that a word? That's the word. It's barbed. Yeah. Yes. Barbed. You barbed my battleship. Uh, today is the 50th anniversary of Led Zeppelin's first live show. The band played at a club in Gladzaks, Denmark. They were an unnamed group at the time and decided on their now famous band name about two months later, right before they went on their first tour. And you know who gave them the name? Uh, I do not. Keith Moon. They're Jim oh, teacher. Well, it's oh. said, interesting that you say that, because I'm going to get to Keith Moon. Uh, Jimmy Page has once again retooled Led Zeppelin's 1976 live album, The Song Remains the Same, which is out today in numerous... Wait, are you saying that Jimmy Page spent time working on something that Led Zeppelin already recorded 45 <laughs> years ago? This doesn't sound like the Jimmy Page I know. <laughs> It'll include a super deluxe box set with two CDs, four LPs, and three DVDs. The DVDs include the original film, video extras, and an HD stereo and 5.1 surround sound mix. The soundtrack album is really good because unlike the previous one, which has been sort of deleted, not only does this one sound better, it actually gives the full concert of what we were doing at Madison Square Garden. So some of it's cut down a little bit. You know, because even in the film, some of the numbers are edited, you know, but you can see how we actually approach the set, how we pace the set. That's really quite important. And if you play it a certain volume, it will drown out the sound of Robbie <laughs> Williams' weed whackers. <laughs> I knew it was going there. <laughs> <laughs> and September 7th, 1978. <laughs> Uh, the day Keith Moon died in his London apartment from an accidental overdose of the prescription drug Heminet Heminiverin. Anominish. Anominish. It was a drug. The drug was prescribed to combat alcoholism. He was 32 the night before Moon was with Paul and Linda McCartney. He was uh, their guest at a preview of the film, The Buddy Holly Story. Afterwards, Moon and the McCartneys dined at Peppermint Park in London's Covent Garden neighborhood. And back at his apartment, Moon got into an argument with his girlfriend, then took 32 of uh, these prescription pills. When she checked him on uh, checked on him the following afternoon, he was gone. Here's Pete Townsend remembering Keith Moon. Every time we get together, particularly if we tell stories or remember things about him, he's just he's very much present. And I wouldn't like to think of him kind of locked 
into who history the way that we're locked into who history. I like to think of him free and released because not all of his life was happy. But I think the sentiment that what, what we're most conscious of is he's trying to sort of recapture some of his levity. He showed up for the tryout with the Who wearing a ginger suit with his hair dyed ginger, drinking a ginger drink. No. <laughs> Why did he go all ginger? That's a story Pete Townsend has told before, and I don't know if it's true because Pete changes stories all the time, but I like to think it is true. And he seems to me to be like a guiding force for them creatively, and less creatively, but more like uh, aesthetically at the attitude you know, uh, that they, they try to embody all the time, kind of in the way that Dwayne Allman acted as that ghost guiding force for the Allmans for mm -hmm. so long. Keith has always seemed to have been in the back of Pete's mind. Keith was cremated September 13th at Golders Green Crematorium in London, and his ashes were scattered in its gardens of remembrance. Uh, cloudy today, still humid, near 80 for the high. It's only supposed to be, I think, in the 60s on Sunday. Thank God. We're but supposed to get a ton of rain. Great weather it. for wow. the uh, the Outlaw Comedy Fest, or not Comedy Fest, the Outlaw Music Fest going on uh, at uh, Key Bank Pavilion tonight. Willie Nelson, mm -hmm. Van Morrison, the Sturgill Simpson, the Common Heart playing out there. Uh, Van Morrison and uh, Willie Nelson recorded at the church the other day at Dana's and... Uh, um, uh, Dave Heideck's place, and that's, it's on, awesome. they, that's where Tom Hanks recorded uh, yeah, some stuff a couple weeks awesome ago. Place. It's incredible. Yeah, I've Tom Hanks lucky has enough an to do some work. That, no, I don't think he's an album, but he had to do some overdubs for the movie, I think. Uh, but at any rate, yeah, Van Morrison was recording with Willie yesterday, just hanging out in Pittsburgh doing some recording. Pretty cool. Yeah, all the stars are here. Preston Lacey from Jackass live in studio with us right now. He's going to be in Washpaw tonight, Washington, PA, at the Forty Bar and Grill. What's up, man? Good morning. Thank you for having me, dude. It's good to see you again. Um, welcome back. And I, you know, uh, I always say that the surefire, if you need a laugh and you need something where it takes your mind off everything, you laugh. The, the jackass, like, catalog, all of it, <laughs> you know, the TV show, the movie, that is the funniest stuff. Surefire, it makes you laugh every time. You have to be super proud to be a part of something that will always live on. Nobody will be able to duplicate it. You know, because there's like no, you know, I don't care what Barstool comes up with, if, like if they try to do their own version of it going forward. You guys are the gold standard for jackassery. Yeah, it's a mixture of a lot of luck and a lot of hard work. Right. Mm -hmm. And in a lot of years, geez, you know, we started filming that our, our, our series in 1999. Oh, man. It's so many years ago, yeah. you know. This is a long 15 minutes. It just keeps going. <laughs> well, that's just it. Is I think that a lot of people thought that that's what it was going to be, that it was going to be a 15 minutes type of thing. But the thing about Jackass, it has this Three Stooges-like quality where you, like, uh, like intellectuals think it's super funny. You guys somehow made something that nobody can deny is super funny, uh, even though some of it is like the grossest stuff that <laughs> yeah, has ever been put on camera. Of, it's kind of my department too. <laughs> right. The gross <laughs> out. <laughs> so well, let me ask you. Thank, what, thank you, sir. What, what, what stun are you the most proud of? Uh, the human field goal where Josh Brown, the <laughs> kicker, kicked a football into my face. Oh. <laughs> just because I was watching football at a bar and wrote that on a cocktail napkin. And I couldn't believe what I'm sitting there, you know, in a, on a, at a football stadium with the NFL kicker. I was like, wow, this is real. And then I said, the only thing I'll ask you, buddy, is don't miss. And he goes, I will not miss. I was like, uh. And it, it went just right underneath. Oh, right underneath the chin. Uppercut. If you ever get in a fight and you can pull uppercut, you will win. Dude. That is the best move ever. <laughs> 
I mean, so what? You just went down. I, I thought, can't remember I thought this that clip. I, I thought that I went down, hit me in the face, and I thought I went down and jumped back up in glory. I was down for about two minutes. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, God. just out cold. Yeah, I know the uppercut got me. Oh my lord! And then I got up and gave him a big hug. And he goes, "I knocked you out and you hugged me." That never happened before. <laughs> Is it? Uh, did you get the velocity on that? Do you have any idea how no, fast it was going? No, he said he like said it would have gone fifty yards, but I don't. Oh I'd like God. to see that broken down yeah. on Sports Science. Now, but we uh, um, we right after we filmed that, we got a new camera, the super. Slow camera, right? And they wanted me to film it again, and Paramount said no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, imagine the damage that you could. Uh, uh, yeah, I got lucky, lucky. So, which stuff? First of all, I think it's hilarious that you have a job where you're sitting around drinking beer, watching football, and. Uh, you write down something that is going to cause you a great deal of pain, and you're excited about it. Like this is going to be great and awful. Yeah, that moment you see it on the big screen, you're like you feel accomplished, like you you've done something. Which stunt did you come up with that didn't make it, for one reason or another? I wanted uh, Dave England to put on a dog costume and eat his own poop. <laughs> <laughs> and they asked me to never submit that idea. <laughs> Why did you want him to do that? Because he, he, he uh, ate some poop before in a, a skit we did. The guys from 3-6 Mafia paid him $100 to eat cow poop, and he ate some cow pie. Oh, my God. So you wanted was, to make that his thing? Yeah. He was just going to be like the dirt digger? Yeah. I got another one on that that involves corn and peanuts. We'll get into that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, right, sorry, it's early to be that gross. What member <laughs> of your crew of the Jackass family was the the most game, like the like fearless? Um, it's it's a mixture of uh, uh Ryan Dunn and uh, Steve O. Yeah, between the two, they 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 both just were not scared of anything, ready to yeah. go, you know. And just like you always, you know, we we get an idea. The first thing I start thinking about is my family and friends and stuff. Right, not those guys. No. Uh -uh. Ryan, what a tragic loss. I, that, th there was something so eminently likable about all of those guys, but he in particular seemed to be like the, the guy who was not I as famous as they were getting. He never seemed to get a big head about it. He seemed like a very level-headed dude. Yeah, he's one of the funniest people I've ever met for sure. And you knew you were in a big bit when he was in it. You know, when you saw him in the background, you're like, this is gonna be good. They, yeah, they, they pull him out for the A stuff. Yeah, that's. <laughs> Interesting. So there were like uh, cast members that you were like it gave the 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 bit more weight. Yeah, and there's different things though. Like if you're doing anything um, involving farm animals animals or sexuality, you want Pontius with you. You know, party. That's a party boy thing. <laughs> Well, it's hard to make that PC in the morning. Yeah, I know it is. I hope I got away with that. Uh, yeah, well, someone's yeah. there to believe the, if you his don't. His show was crazy with him and, and Steve-O. What was it? Like the, the wild... A wild boys, yeah. Wild boys. I just remember yeah. them playing like monkey in the middle with a pork chop with a bunch of hyenas. Yeah, that show was informative. It was an educational show if you if you watch it. We never had anything like that before. How uh, how would you describe the entourage? Like, if you guys went somewhere, what were the what was the fan base like? Like, were there tons of chicks just trying to hook up with the dudes, or was it like a bunch of bros being like all over you guys? Which were you'd be well, more concerned about? I'm, I'll answer, but yes and yes. You know, yeah. lots of bros and lots of lots of girls. We uh, when we were in Orlando. After the, during the second run of the series, we started realizing we had so many fans. Mm -hmm. And then when we were in London at the premiere, the fans pushed over the barricade and chased us into the Holy theater. Holy cow! Wow. And we were like, "Wow, this is freaking real." You get the Beatles treatment. <laughs> it's like, "Whoa, I wish my dad could see this." Oh my lord! <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, it, it had this like unique. Uh, vibe to it and uh, for some reason that could have easily turned into you guys being unlikable and it never did like everybody <laughs> wanted to hang out with this is the you were the Burt Reynolds of stunt oh, crews 
<laughs> Girls wanted to be with him, and guys wanted to be him. How many dudes tried to like audition on the spot? Like, oh, dude, I can be a part of this. It, every every time we've every ever time, been yeah. anywhere, you know, people will come up, and uh, that's what uh, a little guy came up one time and told Knoxville he wanted to be in the movie, and Knoxville's like, "What do you do?" And he's like, "I can kick myself in the head," and he did it. And that's when we asked Wee Man. Wee Man's like, "Yeah, most little people can do that." And we're like, <laughs> "What?" And you just now telling us this? <laughs> I remember him doing that. So you did a lot of stuff with him. I mean, your signature bit was like yeah. chasing him through the streets in your underwear yeah, the, him chasing the, you I, right the very first day we filmed I, I wrote that idea and I had to tell it to him and I, he's like you're gonna chase me through the streets in our underpants and it was a hard sell but I, right. I made it work <laughs> <laughs> what, a, what a bizarre image to have to like uh, contemplate as you're walking to work just a, a wee man and Preston in their underwear <laughs> chasing each other through the streets where did you guys film that like in Hollywood yeah. that was all over Los Angeles oh man we uh well, we were originally in West Hollywood, but we got banned from there, and we're not allowed to go back. <laughs> well, what kind of hate did you get? The uh, uh, there's besides, it's on, it's besides on, being banned from from uh, WeHo, I would imagine that you guys got a lot of like Midwestern Bible Belt areas that weren't too fond of what you were doing. Uh, just a couple of senators did back then. What's his name? Lieberman came after us hard. Wow. And uh, what was it? Uh, ABC. Uh, Joe Joe Lieberman. Teed off on you guys. Oh I didn't yeah, know he that. wanted to, he wanted the show pulled from the t- television. Yeah, and uh, Barbara Walters did a special on it, and of course on the ABC thing is a giant picture of me. And I was like, Knoxville's the face of this freaking franchise. Why am I on ABC? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he was probably glad about it. Oh yeah, it. I'm sure he was stoked. So, <laughs> what was the the stunt you did that you were the most legitimately scared about? Uh, human bungee. Where they connected Wee Man and I together with a rubber cord, and we stood on a bridge, a causeway bridge in Florida, and he jumped off the bridge first, and he went down, and and it got the tension started getting, started coming back up, and when he started coming back up, the the the, the what do you call the inertia shot up that cord and, and jerked me off the bridge. Oh my. So I go flying off the bridge, and I pass him on the way down. So he's floating up, and he's kind of zero gravity for a second, and then I jerk him down to the water. Oh. So it's like a whap whap. <laughs> You know, like but, a slingshot. Yeah, but I mean, we were on that bridge, and they go, cut, cut, hold, and a darn cabin cruiser went underneath us, you know? Oh, we were so high up. Gosh. And that's like, on the way down, you're like, man, I don't have a lot of time to think about this. <laughs> that water's not here yet. Oh. <laughs> My worry there was just hitting him, though, because it would have been like a, a bus hitting a Volkswagen, you know? Right. <laughs> I was so scared I was going to hit that guy. So you're performing at uh, 40 Bar and Grill tonight in Washington? Mm-hmm. So what... What is all encompassed in your live act? Like, what do you do? I've you know asked when Steve-O's been here before, too. Uh, it must have been a pretty, uh, like, at first, hard to translate all of this to the live stage. Yeah, people come expecting stunts. Yeah, it's more of, of uh, stand-up comedy and stories, you know? Mm-hmm. We, we occasionally do some stuff. You just can't, you can't go into these clubs and stuff and do stunts every night. No. Uh-huh. Well, first I mentioned the liability the club the, owners would never let yeah, you. Yeah, the liability. Well, some of, them would want, some of them want you to do it. Some of them just don't care. But yeah, right. the liability is crazy, and you just can't you know you can't keep going. You got to get up and travel, you know. So it's a lot of like sort of talking about this yeah. whole lots of inside stories and yeah. stuff. It's like it usually turns into a pretty big party and gets stunty towards the end. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing is you never know how it's going to go. It just depends on the audience. It's like going to Benny Hanna. It depends on who's at your table. You, know? <laughs> you get a good table and it's rock and roll, right? You, know? I, you don't I, get the white guy. <laughs> 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 the the manager's cousin is working there. It's my well, first week. I would imagine that you're gonna like when you do these shows that this is when a lot of people come up to you with their own auditioning 
Oh, of, yeah. Of stuff. yeah. What's the dumbest thing people have done in a bar, like trying to be like, hey, look what I can do? A guy came up uh, with one of those industrial staplers, like you put roofing down, you know, katank, katank, <laughs> and just started laying across his forehead. <laughs> and they were stuck They were stuck in this bone in his skull. Oh and I, we were all just throw up. You know, it was just oh, horrible, oh. you know. And I was like, I don't know if you ever watch TV, but you can't put that on television, buddy. It's not going to work. And blood's just streaming into his eyes, and he, he, he was so happy, you know? Oh. It was like he just caught a big fish or something. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, tonight at the 40 Bar and Grill in Washington, PA, Preston Lacey will be there. And Val and I were both saying, we remember the last time we were here, we were like, oh, he's the nicest guy. So we're so glad you were able to come back and be here today and hang out with us. And uh, anytime you're in town, uh, please stop by. I will, and I get to go. Part of my deal this weekend is on Sunday. I get to go on a party bus to Cleveland to the game, and I got a oh, ticket to the game. No way. That's awesome. going to be so much cool. fun. I have you ever wait. been to a Steelers Browns game? No, uh uh-uh. uh. Yeah, you're going to have a blast. And I'm all hopped up on the hard knocks, you know, so I, got, I feel like I got some inside. Uh, inside uh, who was your favorite player on? The, they all got cut. Like Le, everybody. Did the juice get cut? Yeah. Oh, could, man, could that ju- was my favorite. Yeah, that dude got cut. Darn. Bye, the Steelers just walk right over there. Oh, yeah, well, let's hope. You never know. So, you, are you going to wear Steelers gear up there? Yeah, they, they, that's one thing they said. They said, you better get you a Steelers shirt. <laughs> Did you get a jersey? No, I just got a t-shirt. I don't want to spend that much money on a jersey. Do, do we have a jersey for him? Yeah, we got to get him a Chris Boswell jersey. <laughs> get him have a- him kick a field goal off you. <laughs> no, we don't want to do that. <laughs> Preston, have a great weekend. Thank you so much for Go having me. Go see in. Preston tonight at the 40 Bar and Grill in Washington, PA. Thanks, man. When we come back, Mike Pursuta, more getting you ready for Sunday's game against the Browns and Pittsburgh Steelers. Stephon Tuitt joining us at 845. DVE Sports. Mike Pursuta with your sports right now on the DVE Morning Show, and it's on. The NFL season kicking off last night with the defending champs getting booed off the field in their first game after the Super Bowl. I got booed a little bit at halftime. That wasn't a good Philadelphia full-throat boo. That was a little... It doesn't matter. They came back the night they hang the banner. No, they weren't playing well. <laughs> it's Philly. What the hell what are they you doing expect? in training camp? Boot after after thirty minutes. Yeah, they were losing. Oh my god! Cut falls. They are so reliable. It is what it is. Oh, bless them. Eighteen, twelve Eagles that ended up uh, twenty six penalties. The two teams combined for uh, that were enforced. Twenty nine yellow flags flew. Uh, and none lowering the helmet. Right. I thought that was interesting. Uh, that 26 penalties, um, our buddy Goose Goslin down in Texas tweeted out that in 256 games last season, there was one NFL game that had 24 or more penalties. And uh, this year there's been one game and it had 26 penalties. But to your point, Bill, uh, three false starts, five offsides, uh, five holding, a lot of these guys aren't up to speed on their technique yet stuff. And right. Just not playing well. Chris Collinsworth made a great point, I thought. A uh, great reminder to us all as we get ready for the Steelers and the Browns on Sunday. The veterans and the, the good starters don't play in the preseason. They play very little or hardly at all. So they get tired and they get sloppy. And that's opening game stuff. Which is, again, another good reason not to decide... Uh, midway through the second quarter that uh, this guy sucks or that coach should be fired. Is that a relatively new-ish development? Relatively, yeah. Not like last year or anything. But Six, seven years yeah. this has been occurring. But yeah. it didn't used to be like that. It used to come out all cylinders. And well, because th- they used to play the guys more in the preseason. That's what I'm to, saying. They used to be prepared. They're not prepared now to play a game. But they're healthy. So... <laughs> 
trade you want to make, right? You don't want to lose Peyton Manning in week two that doesn't count. Right. Steelers getting ready for the Browns on Sunday in Cleveland, and everybody, it seems, has an opinion on the Le'Veon Bell saga, which took uh, an unanticipated turn this week. And uh, when I say everybody's got an opinion, that includes former Steelers receiver Heinz Ward, who uh, talked about uh, the Le'Veon Bell situation last night with Adam Crowley on 970 ESPN. Count Ward among those who didn't expect to hear what we heard this week from Bell's teammates on the Steelers. It shocked me to hear other players talk about other players' contract. You know, because they they forgot Le'Veon Bell bought them thirty seven almost a thirty thousand dollar watches probably less what during Christmas time right and now I'm pretty sure it, you know to hear all the responses that he's getting back from the offensive line that's shocking to him and so that's whenever or if he ever comes back that's something that they're gonna have to repair somewhere within that locker room because you hear some of the stories and, and let me tell you that's it's hurtful. You know, if a guy goes out there and, 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 and do the things, yes, you can't win with one man. But well, Le'Veon Bell is probably one of the top two guys, uh, all-purpose guys in the it league. The sure way we utilize it, yes, it, it helps. I, I'm not going to deny that. I just think it's 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 unfortunate uh, for Pittsburgh to be in the situation that they're in. I think that I agree with Hines. I've always rooted for the player against any team, any management. Because the teams make so much money, and that goes on forever. And the players have a finite life uh, professionally to make this money. In a short window, they have to maximize the amount of money they're able to, to earn. Uh, because they're sacrificing their long-term health as well. So theoretically, with Le'Veon Bell's situation, I am on his side completely. But because I am so jaded by how he's acted in the past and I have already formed an opinion of him as a Steeler fan my first reaction was not well I always side with labor it's this jackass is turning his nose up at 14 you know million bucks he already's been injured to the point where if he gets hit the wrong way in the knee he's done so he's, he's risking suspended. all that up he's been suspended he might have been i mean look mike all of what's happening right now might boil down to the fact that that dude was recording some stuff with and hanging out with people he shouldn't have been and was going to test positive and would have gotten knocked out for 6 weeks that, that could be what's going on. Who knows? Uh, but there's just something about how he has seemingly placed himself above the team time and time again. There, I, I yeah. just I don't think he's I done went it, into it. I don't think he's done it time and time again, but he's definitely done it this time. He showed up an hour before the playoff game against Jacksonville. He missed the walk through the day before. I mean, there are countless episodes. There of this are guy. varying stories, and I don't know if we have the complete story in those instances that you're referencing. He also played great in those games. Uh, 155 so, yards rushing, two so touchdowns. That's what matters. Uh, but he's clearly putting himself before the team. And I'm like you get get every dime you can, but at some point you got to say, all right, these are the dimes I'm going to get, and now it's time to do my job. He, and now, now it's time to play for my teammates and play to win a championship because that's why I'm doing this. He's acting as if he has 100% health going into this, that he is as resilient as he was when he was 22. And I don't think that's very smart because he's not. He and was given the ball a ton in college. Maybe yeah. part of the but reason. But he's always thrived on that. That's always been who he is. Until his agent started saying, hey, dummy, you don't want to be that guy. He's always carried it and gotten up and said, give it to me again. 
don't take me off the field. That that's why they wanted to pay you fourteen million or whatever it was in the first place. And the other running backs get six or seven. I think part of the reason why there was a difference in the guaranteed money is the Steelers know that knee is vulnerable. And he's he's vulnerable suspension. He's vulnerable to suspension as well. He has earned that. That is what if he gets suspended while he's sitting out? I don't think he can. Oh, okay. He's not Second he signs, he has to take a pee test. Right now, so I don't think they can be. I'm not sure about that, but I don't think they can be testing him. Not until he signs with the team, but the second he signs, he's going to get tested. Here's a pen. Here's a cup. Yeah. (laughs) And if he's the paper with the cup, you know, he's on the pen. (laughs) Sorry, guys. Been out of the game for a little bit. Even though it's keep that pen, kids. (laughs) By the way, the NFL. I mean, this is a separate argument. They need to revamp their marijuana policy, but. I mean, it's legal well, new, in so many states the new now. The CBA's coming, so. Yeah. yeah. Elon Musk is smoking it now, for crying out loud. They're going to have to figure out something. I think any other player that's a big franchise kind of player needs to be looking at this situation and watching and saying, like, okay, one of the things that we can't ignore completely, like I believe Le'Veon did, is that there is a PR campaign that runs simultaneously with your business contract negotiation with the team is how did the fans feel about it? Like if you are always, you know, in their good graces, then they will, they'll argue for you. They'll fight for you. They'll, you know, the fans will be behind you. But then when you start doing like what, what he's doing and your agents going out there and speaking and, you know, they, they, portray you or they perceive you to be you know not a good teammate then they say get rid of this guy he, he's accomplished some remarkable things he is a great running back in Pittsburgh and the fans don't like him he's accessible to the media cooperative insightful humorous and the fans don't like him because he just doesn't he can't help himself when he starts tweeting and right. putting videos out and just being so far off point so often didn't he do a giveaway Right after they lost, like no. on his Twitter account. No, wasn't that? Th- oh, that Pouncey did that. He started Pouncey selling shirts ago. or yeah. something. Yeah, he's got. Heinz Ward talked about this a little bit with uh, Adam Crowley last night as well. I don't have the clip for you, but you know, guys on their phones before a game, checking social media and whatnot. It's out of control, and it's the lack of focus in this league and understanding of when to just shut the hell up is almost non-existent. One guy you never have to worry about joins us when we return. Stefan Tewitt of the Pittsburgh Steelers, next on DV. It is the DV Morning Show. Randy Bauman, want to remind you, the Bud Light Game Day Bar of the Week, Perrytown Draft House in Westview. $2 Bud Light, 20-ounce drafts during all Steeler games. Perrytown Draft House in Westview is your Bud Light Game Day Bar of the Week. Uh, tomorrow night, I'm excited. I, I'm uh, going to be playing at the Elks on the north side for oh, the nice. annual Johnny oh, Cash marvelous. Day festivities. Yeah. Uh, closing uh, things out tomorrow night. Uh, me and Paul Luke, uh, Chad Sipes. Joe Waslaski on drums. A uh, kid by the name of uh, Donnie Bell playing guitar. A little like a wonderkin guitar player. He's a great guitar player. Uh, our buddy Reed Connolly will be sitting in a little bit. And Fat Man D Whoa. is going to do a little June Carter for oh, us. What a lineup. Yeah, and uh, our buddy Ryan Booth playing a little uh, horn So uh, from Grand Piano. So we're looking forward to that. Big time. Uh, Stefan Tuitt, we're expecting him shortly. Uh, last night, the Eagles were able to, uh, to get the W over uh, the Falcons in week one in a not-so-exciting game, as you pointed out earlier. And I think a lot of people thought, well, the NFL's high-flying these days. Over, over, over. 
Some people thought that. And last night would have been a game where you would have thought, well, here's a couple of high-powered offenses. Well, you forget that first game stuff, though, sometimes. It, uh, I hate they, gambling week one. Neither team looked good <laughs> from an execution standpoint. I only watched the first couple quarters. It was weather delayed, and I was right. getting tired. Started 45 minutes late. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, it's funny the way it worked out. Uh, the team that ran the ball better won the game. Philadelphia 27 carries for a buck 13. 4.2 average. Atlanta averaged 4.1 a carry, but only ran it 18 times for 74 yards. Matty Ice threw for 251. Nick Foles threw for 117. Philadelphia still won the game. Well, hopefully... Atlanta still can't get it done in the red zone. Oh, my God, they were awful. They were... Terrible. One for five in the red zone, one for four in goal to go, and that was their bugaboo last year. Well... Did I just say bugaboo? You did. Yeah, you did. That's what they uh, effed up a lot last year. Yeah, there you go. Is that your your mom coming through there or something? I don't know it sounds what that like was. yeah, that's okay. I... That's all right. It's week one, Mike. We're working yeah. out all of the uh, 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 all of the uh, nuances of pregame speak. And joining us right now, Stephon Tewitt of the Pittsburgh Steelers to talk about this Sunday's game one for the Steelers and the Browns. Stephon, good morning. How are you, man? I'm doing well. How are you? Uh, I'm excited. Real excited for week one, and I'm wondering, first of all, with your opponent being the Browns and having them featured on Hard Knocks, were you tuning in each week to watch what was going on? Um, I got a chance to catch a couple episodes, um, you know, just to watch it and, you know, support around the league. Are you able to glean anything watching that? I can't imagine there's any competitive advantage, but is there anything that you take away from that that might be useful? Um, From Hard Knocks, uh, just catching it. You know, just probably see what they're, uh, you know, you always get information from watching the team, seeing the team. So the more information you have by seeing them more, you just catch up on little things, you know, just trying to see, like, what the dynamic and the chemistry is on the team on that side. Well, you might be facing uh, somebody on the left tackle uh, that's uh, an undrafted rookie taking the place of Joe Thomas, one of the all-time greats, in order to get their running game going. They're going to need those guys to operate at a high level. Do you feel like, all right, we're coming in here with the veteran uh, front against these guys? Do you feel confident going against them this weekend? Or what What kind of analysis do you have going against this Browns offense, which is kind of unknown with Todd Haley at the helm? Um, right now, we just focus on what we have to do week in and week out. Um, we know the opponents that we're going against, and we study our opponents very thoroughly throughout the week. I mean, we expect them to come in and give us their best shot. You know, a lot of people don't know that these games, the last two times we played them, it's only been a seven-point difference. Mm-hmm. So, you know, four points in the first game, I think, is three points in the uh, second game. So, either way, no matter who's out there, we're going to try to give it out there, give it our best. But I'll take our D-line over anybody any day. It looked like uh, you guys played against Tennessee for a couple quarters the way you wanted your D-line to play. Was that what you're going to be shooting for, you and, you and Cam Hayward both firing and – uh, the rest kind of falls into place from there. Well, that's our goal to be dominant on the field, but we want to play within our defense. Um, we don't, you know, we don't play selfish ball over here. But at the end of the day, if we can make impact plays as impact players on the field, we definitely going to take our shots to do that. This past week, a lot of noise over the Le'Veon Bell situation. Was it anything that you would consider to be a distraction? Um, you know, with me being here uh, the last couple of years, um, there there've been. No instances that uh, that I got a chance to experience with off the field issues, and I think our team handled them pretty well. Um, you know, Le'Veon's doing the best for him, and right now we have a game this Sunday, and uh, I think we've been doing a good job of just focusing on that and just focusing on the guys we have right now to get ready to play for a game Sunday. You got a lot of practice dealing with drama, is what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> 
Hey, we just do what we have to do to make sure we get away with a win. Yeah, you dramatized your way to 13-3 and last year, so, you know, probably not too worried about the, a hiccup to start the year. Um, I won't say traumatized, but, um, you know, we get out there, we put on pads, and we tackle each other every single day. So anything is not traumatizing. No, no, drama. I was saying, like, uh, all the drama, like the soap opera, not traumatizing. No, drama. Did you just let that be? Yeah. Whatever that is, it's off the, it is what it is. It's just like going to work. When you go to work, you leave all your at-home issues at home, and you come to work and you make sure you get what you're supposed to get done. And that's how yeah, I usually don't do either one of those things, but that's, <laughs> that sounds like a good thing. <laughs> so, fine, defensively, a lot of different parts for you guys this year. How has that gelled uh, leading up to week one, given that you guys haven't really been able to get on the field altogether in preseason anyways? Um, I think we're going to be fine. I think, um, you know, like you said, we practice with each other since training camp, so we've been on the field with each other um, a lot since that day already. Um, going against the opponent, you saw what we looked like already going against the Tennessee Titans, but that was a preseason opener. That's just a good feel of what we could do. But mm-hmm. heading to the Cleveland Browns is a, a chance to put on stage everything that we've been practicing since training camp. I thought it was interesting when you sat down with Missy Matthews and talked about last year having that injury against the Browns week one and just sort of uh, all the the uh, the aspects of the game that you were able to work on from the sidelines, the mental aspect. Talk about that and what that could help you uh, complete this year for, for your for your own goals. Well, you, you know, sometimes when you're in situations that, uh, you know, you're not really used to, especially uncomfortable with, um, you have, you know, people have two options to do. They could totally go down in the tank or use the opportunity to learn and grow. Um, I was around good teammates and a supporting cast to make sure that I learned and grow. And um, just being in that situation taught me a lot of just being a better teammate, understanding the game a lot more. And just through understanding the game a lot more, understanding the organization and why we do so much things, um, just put a lot more passion into why I do what I do and to be able to definitely you know, achieve some goals that we all reach for here. Stefan, is there a guy on your defense that uh, maybe hasn't been talked about a lot or uh, is a relative unknown that you think might be a real good good fit this year or have a good season? Well, I think everybody on our defense is going to have a pretty good year. And uh, I think everybody's going to go out there and um, you know play their best ball and uh, play team football. How does Notre Dame keep from having a letdown against Ball State? Well, we go out there and we do what we do against Michigan. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you can't undermine this team at all. You already know how the NFL is. So in college, they have to treat it almost the same way. Do not go in this game and uh, you know play around with Ball State because they can't upset us. You think Ball State might be better than Michigan? No, I don't think they be better than Michigan. But we go <laughs> I think they might be. For granted. <laughs> Mike we go in this game taking up for granted something could happen. And what do you do when Michigan State plays Notre Dame and you got your teammate's brother running the ball for them? I mean, you have to probably uh, tiptoe around that a little bit, right? Never. Never. <laughs> I would definitely say we got to smash them. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's hoping you smash the Browns uh, this Sunday. Stefan Tewitt of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Hey, thanks for your time as always, and go get them. All right, thank you. Okay, Appreciate man. It. We'll see you. Uh, that's Stefan Tewitt, one of the most reliable guys. In terms of character, that's a that's a jersey you can get and never have to worry about. And if he stays healthy, he should be appreciably better. If, and if you're looking for ways for the defense to improve, that's one I think fairly safe assumption.
Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's going to be a whole lot better than he was last year if he can stay healthy. Longer than two plays. Yeah, as Bill pretty was, good on those two plays. Bill was pointing out though, like the difference in this guy this year from last year, just having to contend with that injury in 2017 and coming in and hopefully remaining healthy this year. I mean, what a difference maker that could be! It was kind of not something you thought about a whole lot right. last year. No, because he he played through it, and you see him out there, and you, you how little, much better can he be? Yeah, I think the Tennessee game, and it's just a preseason game, and it was only a couple of quarters, but. That that was a good indication of what they might be capable of if, if it's working the way they think it can. Oh, he's like, a force of nature. I'm like Keith Butler. I'm kind of sort of thinking they might be a little bit better. <laughs> I, lo- I love how he said that. Uh, Sean Collier with us. We'll review Peppermint and the last movie. Yeah, there's a, a Dennis Hopper movie arriving a bit late, but better late than never. And uh, our buddy Ben Penniger will be in to talk about the 6th Annual Festival going on at McKee's Rocks this weekend. Val has news when we return. We're going to get to that Van Halen stuff? Hopefully. Why don't you just, just do it? All right. I'll just, just blow it, everything Val. else off and do it. Yeah. Okay. It's Van Halen. Let's let's prioritize here. All right. All right. Can I make one quick uh, correction before I forget? No. We were talking about the Burt Reynolds movies. Yeah. I said, I said Deliverance is probably the best. Then I mentioned Smoking the Bandit and Sharky's Machine. Yeah. The Longest Yard is obviously my favorite. It's great. I don't think it's the best cinematic job. It's very good. That, that To me, that is his best character. I don't think there was a movie quite like that, and I think after it, there were a whole bunch like it. Yeah. And I'm not talking about the remake. I'm talking about the... No, the original. Yeah. That I'm, opening couple of minutes is just quintessential Burt Reynolds. Where would uh, Boogie Nights fall on your That's a Paul Thomas that. Anderson movie. I thought it Yeah, was, but he's in it. It's, I know, it's but got a big not, role in it. It's not, you I know, it's it not was, a cameo. I thought it was good. I thought he was good, but it's just not my yeah. favorite. Yeah. Um Hooper, Smokey One, Cannonball Run One. They're all tied for me. If you want the serious look, I would watch Deliverance this weekend or Boogie Nights. But so, if you want some fun, the, the, those are the choices. Striptease is my favorite, I think. Sure. He's such a hard ass in Deliverance. Oh, so oh so that good. whole movie is so. I mean, that's not a, that's disturbing. not a fun Sunday yeah. afternoon. You know. Hey, let's watch this Ned Beatty scene again. You yeah. know. <laughs> Put that on with a whiskey after nightfall. <laughs> God, I forgot how brutal that movie oh, yeah. really is when you watch it what the banjo scene is fun you'll enjoy that the banjo scene is great yeah that movie ruined banjos for me <laughs> <laughs> uh all right we'll take a quick break we'll come back reminder steelers browns one o'clock sunday and all of the coverage begins at 9 a.m here on your radio home of the steelers dv it's 71 degrees at dve i'm val porter author chuck klosterman ranked all 131 of van halen songs from worst to best he ranked why can't this be love as 131 it's <laughs> awful the now, whole love era is terrible he apparently doesn't think it's their worst song but he thinks it was really bad as a first release with sammy it's not Hagar. necessarily that i think it's their worst song it might be uh their uh finest uh i love the way chuck t- well, <laughs> I, I don't want to completely undermine my own credibility further but at a labor day picnic i made the argument that that is their best song Oh my Dude, God. how high oh, were you? Lord. There's no way that's it's terrible. Have you ever terrible. heard David Lee Roth and Halen? I don't. I, it's just always stuck in my head. I don't. I don't, I don't know. I like. Oh, I hate it. I enjoy it.
Uh, he no said, wonder you're a Hufflepuff. Yeah, right. He said it's the worst me. decision the band ever made because it gave people the wrong impression of what Van Halen with Sammy Hagar would be. Every song had love in the title. Love Walks In. Uh, Hello, why love. Can't This Be Love? Um, love Comes Walking. Yeah, and then uh, what's the other one? They, they had like three in a row that were love songs. Humans Being is the other Hagar oh. one I like. What was the Crystal Pepsi one? That was a not, not a good song. Put me Right now? On. Yeah, go ahead, Valerie. Oh. What's, what? This is like... This stuff is your like nephew plays on his Casio music <laughs> montage. He said the other reason it was awful is because David Lee Roth came out four months later with Yankee Rose. So that was just like Steve Vai on guitar. Yeah. I picture this in an 80s movie where a guy is just broken up with his girlfriend. He's crestfallen walking along the beach. It's just slow motion. He's the greatest guitar player ever, and he just got his just so excited about playing keyboards and it was like what the hell it, there was this whole thing that was happening though at the time that was right around the same time that Def Leppard went back and put keyboards on bringing on the heartbreak and it drove me crazy <laughs> like they everybody was making this weird 80s production Synthy. attempt to yeah to like get radio play and it was not what that music should have been well He's, He's Eddie Van Halen. I don't want to hear him play the keyboard. Yeah, but yeah. think about it. You know how we're all like completely attached to our phones and we're going to look back and be like, oh, God, my head was always in my phone. When the synthesizer came out, everybody was like, I love this. I want to put this on everything. Uh, it was not good. So the bottom end of the list, very heavy populated with stuff from Van Halen 3. Oh, uh, well, was Gary, Sharon. Gary Sharon. That was, was just unfair album. to Gary Sharon. Uh, and a different kind of truth, which was the 2012 reunion album with David Lee Roth. Oh, I can't name anything from that either. Wasn't that just all outtakes that he sang over? A lot of them were, yeah. Which is essentially what the Stones uh, tattoo you is. So according to Chuck Klosterman, top 10. Is it Klosterman or Klosterman? Klosterman, I don't know. I don't know either. I was close to him. Okay, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't matter me. the way that you pronounce it, really. Yeah. <laughs> Number 10. You got to turn me on. Sorry. You got to turn me yeah. on. <laughs> Boner is dead. 5150. Are you kidding me? This is number 10. No, I, oh, the reason I put this in number 10, hear me out. <laughs> He's transitioning into Quentin Tarantino over there. That's Number 9. It's Timmy from it's South Park. <laughs> Romeo Delight from Women and Children first. That's number nine. Number eight. Billy needs no introduction. Yeah. Romeo Delight is not in the top ten. All right. <laughs> number seven. Yeah. Sure. Here we go. Even though it's a cover, it is quintessential Van Halen. Number six. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'll allow it. I have a hard time with anything from 1984 being in the top ten. Really? Anything? Not, well, if I was going to put anything from, I would put, I would put Panama. Maybe. Hot for teachers. Badass. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this is number, this is off Van Halen too. Yeah, dude. Generalized, great. Anything off. Yeah. I think top ten for me would have to be all one and two. That that they were they were terrifying, kind of. Like there was some. I mean, even Fair Warning has three songs that are like 
Sabbath-like in their intensity. I, I mean, keep going. Number four. I thought there should have been more synth on those songs. Yeah. All right. Two songs from 1984 ought to be it. What number is this? Number three. Oh, this was a really blatant attempt at radio play, I thought. Yeah. Never was a big fan of this one. It's okay. Number two. Yeah, I would have that at number one, maybe. And even though this is a song on a... It's not... To me, this is not a Van Halen song. Corruption. Yeah. No. It's like... It's a prelude. That's like saying... Yeah, it's an intro. It's like separating Boston's foreplay and long time and being like, foreplay's at number seven. Long time's at number four. Yeah. They're the same... They're part of the same construction just because of album placement if nothing else it's yeah. it's like you can't separate heartbreaker and living loving made so these would be among my top songs from van halen one all right see we're doing val's top 10 now yeah all right good yeah i'm the one is just badass yeah. okay this would also be on my list also oh van dude halen yeah one. man can't wait. Feel your love. Okay, from Van Halen Great to... riffs. No keyboards, Val. Oh, oh. Bottoms up. Bottoms up. He already had Dead or Alive on his list. Was there anything from Romeo Women and Children like... first on his top ten, by the way? Yeah, he had Romeo... Uh, yeah, Romeo Delight. Okay. Okay, this would also be on my list. Yeah, dude. This is so great. Take your whiskey home. That's so Women and good. children first. Will you let this no. play out? I just want to hear the beginning. Okay. Because so, if you don't let it play, you don't prove your point as to why it should be included. But I like that bottle better than the best. And she said, I think that you're headed for a whole lot of trouble. Well, I think that you're headed for a whole lot of trouble. Well, I think that you're headed for a whole Everybody lot of trouble. Everybody turn your radio up really loud right here. If you take your whiskey. Oh, now, fair warning, I would put the whole album. <laughs> fair you warning. You love fair warning. Yeah, that's my favorite, but this one... It's probably my favorite song off Fair Warning. Holy cow. This is badass. Yeah, this is what you want from Eddie Van Halen. You don't want him playing Casio chords. And I really like Diver Down, too. I love Diver Down. Yeah. Even It has a couple covers on it that are great. Where Have All the Good Times Gone? Pretty Woman. Is it Sinner Swing on that, too? Oh, man. I love this riff. <laughs> All right, that's probably my all-time Van Halen favorite song. That's awesome. I think I'm learning I need to listen to those early albums a little bit this weekend. Yes. Dude, one, two, Fair yeah. Warning, and Women and Children First are all awesome start to finish. I, I think I think it's generational. I came up, you know, in that alternative era where I was listening to, like, the Goo Dolls and 
you know, that that uh, gin blossoms. And so hearing those Hagar Van Halen songs yeah. was like, oh, this is like what I listened to, only, you know, more badass and meaty. Play it through a tube amp. Yeah. Crank I think it. Pound yeah. Cake yeah. and Right Now are might be the only Sammy Hagar songs that I really like. I you know what's that mellow tune was was it secrets on Diver Down? Oh yeah. I always thought that was a great tune. Mm, I don't have it in here. How do we not have secrets in there? What a travesty that is. <laughs> we'll call the electric lunch. Diver Down's great too. Listen yeah. to Diver Down. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh forecast today cloudy, humid, temperatures near 80. Big changes in the weather over the weekend though. It's 72 at DVE. I mean little guitars. Little Guitars Alone. Yeah, little Guitars is good. I know we have that one. That's, yeah, right here. You got it? Hold on. You didn't have So This Is Love in, in your top ten? Uh, yeah. You did? Yes. Picture Valerie Bertinelli like doing some sort of like twirling around yeah. in a flowy skirt. I mean, I do that anyways. This song really makes me do it. Yeah, no, I said all of uh, fair so warning, so this is love is on there. I just want everyone to know that through that whole segment, Bill was really thoughtfully watching the Hot for Teacher video <laughs> on mute. Just considering it. <laughs> Couldn't remember what color the tuxes were. It's kind they of a, were salmon. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I would go, it's kind of a peach. Yeah. So there you go. Cool. Nice color. I, dis- guys I disagree with Chuck Klosterman. People, people often do. I mean, Your feel list free is to way do better. that if you like, but I wrote a 5,000 page book that will detail why I'm right and you're wrong. <laughs> and it's perfectly fine if you don't read it. I, li- I like him. The book you read from him is uh, Killing Yourself to Live, where he drives around the country to places <laughs> where rock stars died. Yes. That's pretty good. Yeah. It's yeah. kind of like uh, Sarah Vowell's Assassination Vacation, where yeah. she just goes around to mm-hmm. all the presidential assassination sites. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. Joining us uh, right now to uh, talk about Festival, the McKee's Rocks Music Festival that's going on right now, our friend from Gray Area Productions, Ben Penninger, and he's joined by Terrace and Sonia from Festival. Fellas... And uh, Lady, how are you guys doing? Everybody good? Doing wonderful. wonderful. Thanks for having us. Uh, congrats on yet another festival coming ar- coming around. Six years in a row now. Six, man. It's awesome. And it gets bigger and bigger every year. I've gone to, I think I've been to four of the six. That is correct. And th- I-, I love th- this this afternoon. First of all, because I don't think enough people get down to see what McKee's Rocks is all about. And this is a great opportunity to do uh, to do that. But the staging and the fan experience is so great. Well, uh, we have a lot of help from a local business right in McKee's Rocks, Hollywood Sound and Music, yeah. who provides our sound lighting stage. Uh, all the back line, they do most of the work and just make us look really good because yeah. they're fantastic mm-hmm. at what what they do. Um, the The fan experience is wonderful. You know, it's a free, family-friendly event. Yep. Uh, it's the one time a year I hear my friends say, you know what, I'm going to take my wife and kids down to McKee's Rocks today. <laughs> right. It's not just for pierogies. Right. Pierogies Plus, a wonderful <laughs> local business, and McKee's Rocks as well. Yeah. All right, so for those who don't know, uh, Festival, like it's more than just a music festival. There is a bit of a mission, if you want to speak to that. 
Yeah, yeah. Thanks, Randy. It, it's um, this is really a glimpse. You know, you just talked about hey, this is the one time you're going to come to McKee's Rocks for something other than pierogies. Well, that's going to change, and, and real quick. You know, so this is really a representation of what our downtown is going to be like on a seven days a week basis. Uh, the Roxy and Theater finally. After after many years, is uh, we're nearing the completion of construction. Some people here are hearing that and saying the what? Yeah, the, the Roxian Theater is a landmark. It is a landmark. A, a vaudeville theater built in 1929, currently undergoing the project overall. It's a nine million dollar project. Uh, the renovations um, to make this a 1400 seat concert venue that wow. is going to be really unlike anything in the Pittsburgh area. It is the best of the the old, the, the grandeur of these old theaters with a really modern um, experience, uh, best quality sound and lighting. And you think about this team from Feastival mm-hmm. and how great that experience is. You're talking about the same team now for the Roxy. And of course, our friend John Pergle, who couldn't be here today and, and his group. But, What's up, um, John? I'm just saying hi to John. Yeah, hi, John. Hi, John. He's probably at the Roxian right now overseeing construction. <laughs> Tell him to hurry up the Thunderbird while he's you know, at it. So the Roxian Theater, I guess the closest comparison to try and visualize what it's going to be would be the Capitol Theater in Port Chester, New York. Legendary oh, yeah. venue where the Grateful Dead always played. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, you know, the guy from Relics, Mr. Shapiro, brought that place back to life. Yep. And, man, it's been wonderful for that community, and we're hoping to have a very similar effect with the McKee's yeah. community as well. So Festival this weekend... Uh, uh, first of all, uh, what time do things get going down there? So gates open at 2 p.m. Okay. Uh, the music kicks off with Pittsburgh rock and roll talent Reckless, uh, and Zub and the yes. boys, Max yeah, Somerville. Yeah, right. Oh, man, love those There's guys, right? very few uh, uh, better live experiences. And then we have Reckless the Ohio live. Valley Hospital-sponsored uh, Kid Zone, which kicks off at 3 p.m., runs until 7 p.m. You can get your kids face painted for free. You cool. can bring down a blank T-shirt, and the wonderful folks from Pittsburgh T-Shirt Company will have your kids silkscreen their own shirt, nice. throw it in the dryer right there for you. It's a wonderful interactive experience. Uh, Jeff Scheller and the guys from Wellstrung will be doing a children's set from 3.30 to 4 p.m. So a little interactive uh, cool. on the yeah, Like cool. on the yeah. main stage or on uh, the... Uh, we have a second stage this year. Oh, cool. Actually set up right beside Hollywood Music in a green space. That's where the kids zone will be and the t-shirts, the face painting, some of our wonderful information vendors, some of our artists. Um, so... It really is a family-friendly and fam- family-forward event. So if you're thinking about it, go ahead, bring bring the kids down. You don't need to get a sitter. It's a wonderful event. Uh, when you're done at the Kids Zone, you can ch- check out you know the dozens of artisan vendors we have, all the killer food trucks. You know we have some of the Pittsburgh classics like uh, the Pub Chip Shop from right down on South cool. Side. Uh, if you like tacos, we got Dose Taqueria. Uh, my good friend Ivan De Silva. He's got he and his. Uh, wife regardless ivan has <laughs> i'm not sure if it's his wife or girlfriend let's not, I know, get, into that. Let's not get caught no. up here on semantics uh, joe get they, him on the phone and let's determine the, the relationship yeah, status the uh they have a wonderful They're little engaged. company they started called me empanada so ivan is argentinian right okay so it, it is this wonderful little flaky pocket of goodness 
similar to a pierogi, a little bit larger, a little oh, bit yeah. spicier. By the way, I say empanada. Empanada. And, and some people have told me, no, it's just empanada. Empanada. Is there a schwa thing over there? Is it I don't know that anybody a, in this room looking at Spanish would. You know, I don't Joe, know get them on the phone. Joe, get empanada on the phone. Pronunciation. But tons of great food, you know, tons of great artwork. Uh, our, our bands this year, Railroad Earth, which I is mean, legendary. this hybrid of American roots, rock, and bluegrass. They toured with New Government Jersey. Mule a couple of years amazing. ago, right? Oh, yeah. And uh, and Warren Haynes uh, did a lot of work. Didn't he tour with them? Or had, the, like, what, wasn't he playing with Railroad Earth for a little while? Yeah, that sounds accurate to me. No, I believe he Joe, did. get yeah. them on the phone. If you get <laughs> Railroad <laughs> Earth and Warren Haynes on the phone, Joe. Uh, and I'll tell you what, the, the big one for me is a young gentleman by the name of Billy Strings, right? So kid lived on the road, jumping on trains, a little bit of uh, hard drug usage and whatnot, <laughs> but all this at a very young age. And so he got himself clean got his life together, and he's been able to turn his life story and experience into wonderful music. Yeah. And this kid is on fire right now. He he's really like is. one of the hottest things happening in the bluegrass music scene. Really excited to get him. Last year, we had him for the after party at the Rex, which we will have an after party again this year. It's going to be High and Mighty Brass Band right after Fe- Festival. Down Very cool. To the Rex. And uh, depending on what I can pull off, uh, we'll probably have a pretty good super jam after yeah. that at the Rex as well. Yeah, an all-star affair, hopefully. Billy Strings last year when I was down there, uh, Leftover Salmon was the headliner, and I was uh, sitting on the side of the stage, and I didn't really know who Billy Strings was. I'd, I'd heard the name before, and I was like loading up my car and getting ready to go and just checking out a Leftover for a little while. And this kid comes running off the street all by himself with a guitar over his shoulder, like off of that main street in uh, McKee's Rocks there. Church Avenue. There you go. And he, he's like runs down like he got off the bus and walks right onto the stage. And for a second, I'm like, is that dude allowed to do this? Yeah, he <laughs> still has that train kid busker look to yeah. him, right? And he gets on, and then everyone in Salmon is like, oh, yeah, dude, Billy's here. <laughs> and then he plugs in and starts, j- like, walked off the street and started jamming with leftover Salmon. And I thought to myself, like, well, they don't let anybody do that. Yeah. This kid must be something <laughs> special. And then I watched his, his set with them and was blown away. So I've been a big fan since then. I mean, that's quite a get for this. Railroad Earth, Billy Strings, Recluse. Rumpke Mountain Boys out of Cincinnati, Ohio. Uh, just in case you didn't know, Rumpke Mountain's not an actual thing. It's the name of a garbage company. Oh, is and it really? Rumpke Mountain is a huge garbage heap. So they have their <laughs> own interesting version of bluegrass music they call Trash Grass, based off the Rumpke Mountain <laughs> oh, trash. I like that. And uh, they're a rowdy bunch. They really are. Oh, they good. are a fun time, good whiskey and moonshine drinking band. Um, they will definitely get the energy up in the early afternoon. Okay, this is Feastival. It is McKee's Rocks tomorrow from 2.30 till 10 p.m. The gates open at 2 o'clock. If you need to learn more about it, go to pghfestival.com. Get down there, experience uh, McKee's Rocks and all of the fun, family-oriented fun at this festival. It's going to be a blast. Great job by you guys putting on another top-notch event. Thanks so much, and I do need to take just a second to thank 
Bob and Glenda Pentagar out in Crooked Creek, Pennsylvania, <laughs> for giving me the opportunity to be here and do this, and to my girlfriends, mom and dad, Mike and Shelly Rogers yeah. out in Old Crabtree. Did you thank Love your parents you for the genetics that gave you that voice? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, this is uh, this is a combination of my dad's voice and twenty years of menthol cigarettes. <laughs> really rounded out nicely, and so if Festival doesn't go out, guys, I'm I'm happy to come here. Oh, uh, we'll you. get you some commercial work, some voiceover stuff. Uh, fortunately, Festival is going to be great. The weather is going to be nice. Not going to be up in the 90 degrees like it has no. been this week nice and cool so come on down bring the family great day to hang out and watch music in mckee's rocks at festival congrats once again on a top-notch event all right we got to take a break we'll come back more with mike pursuit of sports getting ready for week one steelers brown dve sports mike pursuit with your sports right now on the dve morning show here we go mike week one of the nfl before we get there did you guys decide eruption is not a van halen song it is a Van Halen song, but it is half of uh, it, because it is its own separate entity that is attached to another song in the album, and thus identified that way. It's it's only part of a song. All right, well, it's it's going to lead my top five with the attachment. Okay, so that and you really got me. Yeah, that's number five. That's number one. Number one. Okay, acceptable. Panama's number, number two. All right, Cradle Rock. Yeah, it's really good. Mean Streets. Very good. And a sentimental favorite, Pretty Woman. Yeah, I love their version of that. It's very good, very good. It's tough. So this is love. I mean, unch- ah, yeah, just, unchained. So this is love is killer. The drum bass combo there. It's, it's like a tough call. I, yeah, they they got a lot. It's got a perfect commercial vibe to it. Oh. That was that was my top five. It's a good top five. If you stick to the first four or five albums, I think you can't lose with a top five with those guys. And they, that it's, stuff will be timeless. It's I think. Zeppelin-esque. You know every yeah. song on the album. I'll like, if I'm still alive 40 years from now, I'll still be listening to it. It's just, you know, the Who lasted longer doing it than I ever thought that they would be able to do, and they finally kind of hit the wall and can't do it anymore. Van Halen hit that wall a lot sooner because of David Lee Ross' limitations. Well, you know, some guys have short careers and they still make the Hall of Fame. That's right. That's right. They're the Lynn Swan of uh, performing artists. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Heinz Ward was pretty good, too. He was uh, on the air on 970 ESPN with Adam Crowley last night. And uh, he announced uh, with uh, no trepidation whatsoever that uh, the seat's going to be pretty hot for Mike Tomlin this season. There's a lot of pressure on, on for Mike T. I, I really think. I mean, with the talent that we have, uh, there's no excuses for us not to be uh, winning Super Bowls. Now, here's the problem. That Ward went on to talk in great detail about all their offensive talent. Didn't mention anybody on defense. But uh, that's not Heinz Ward's concern. That's defensive coordinator Keith Butler's concern. Uh, in getting you ready for Sunday's regular season opener at Cleveland at 1 o'clock, we got to go back to the soundbite of the preseason, at least the one in my estimation, the soundbite of the preseason. We've been talking to these guys since OTAs, through rookie mini camp, right. veteran mini camp, training camp, the whole the whole deal. Uh, this was Keith Butler back in OTAs explaining why they decided to switch Bud Dupree and T.J. Watt. Dupree now being on the right side instead of the left, and Watt now being the left outside linebacker as opposed to the right. What Bud did too much of last year, in my opinion, is he got past the quarterback and and. You're, to me, you're useless when you're past the quarterback and trying to rush the quarterback. So now he won't be as useless behind the quarterback because he can work back a little bit or he can go up and under where the quarterback don't see him, go up and under in front of him and, and try to escape that, that way. 
This is the key to the defense, guys. If Bud Dupree could just be not as useless as he was last year, Mm. we could be going to Atlanta in February. Less less useless. As for the here, not as useless. He was useless last (laughs) year. Not as useless. He could be dead gum, not as useless. Then we're on to something. If you're not as useless, by definition, you're still some useless. Well, yeah, this would be the point, Sean. The talent's on offense. At least been there, done that, proven talent is on offense. Uh, As for the here and now, it is Cleveland week. Steelers are playing in Cleveland Sunday. And in case you've been uh, unavailable all week, in case you've been sleeping it off, in case you haven't been paying attention, this worked at the end of training camp. I'm going to try it in week one of the regular season. Here's uh, Steelers-Browns in two-minute fashion. We recognize the challenge that this is, opening our season on the road uh, in a hostile environment against a division opponent, a rival. We understand what that means. We understand how important this game is to the Cleveland Browns. It probably was of similar importance 12 months ago. Honestly, it's just a little selfish. Oh, no, I'm kind of pissed off right now. It sucks that he's not here. We'll move on as a team. Connor looks great. We'll worry about him in week two. Do you think if he's missing one, he's going to miss 10? At this point, uh, go ahead and miss 10. <laughs> At this point, it's cool. Connor's ready. He's done did a great job. He's been here busting his butt. A football team ain't defined off one person. This is a team unit, and that's how we play ball, and that's how we're going to go forward with it. Listen to me. Pay me $14 million, okay? <laughs> Who's not going to do that? I don't understand the difference in making what he's going to make and, and what he's going to make next year. So whatever this thing is, so be it. We're going to roll. It's the second year around, and all. you just know what to expect. You just got to be accountable. I feel like I'm accountable now. Working on it, at least. Hey, James, how much is your quarterback helping you out there? Man, he's he's the best ever. He's the greatest <laughs> of all time, Hall of Fame, all of that. Right now, we're just shuffling guys around. We don't really look too much into, like, who's starting this day and who's starting that day because at the end of the day, we all got to go out there and do the same thing. They're counting on me, you know, when I get in there, make my plays, as well as everybody else on this team. And that's all I can do, and that's all they can ask of. It's going to be interesting to see how we play. I'm kind of encouraged, but we'll see what uh, goes on on the field. From where you start to where you finish is uh, is a long path, especially in this in this 16 game season. So it, uh, I don't know what to tell you. I'm excited. I'm excited for it. That's what makes football fun. It's, it's it's its journey, and you don't really know what ups and downs are ahead of you. Man, this is not a finished product. As we kick out of the gates and start our season, man, we better continually be individuals and a group on the rise. Uh, in all aspects of our game. If we want to continue to be on the road as it gets increasingly narrow. There you go. Nice. Two-minute drive, touchdown drive in a minute and 52 seconds. Didn't even need a timeout. It was bookended by head coach Mike Tomlin in between Marquise Pouncey, Ramon Foster, James Conner, Ben Roethlisberger asking the question to Conner about the great help the quarterback is providing. Terrell Edmonds, uh, James Washington, Keith Butler, David DeCastro. James Washington is the one I couldn't tell. Here we go. Sean Collier with movie reviews for this upcoming weekend when we return. It's the DB Morning Show. Sean Collier from Pittsburgh Magazine with us. A couple of flicks I didn't, uh, I have not even heard of. Well, uh, uh, one for good reason. The other has been pushed heavily. That's Jennifer Garner uh, in Peppermint. She gets a, a John Wick of her own. A Jane Wick, if you will. <laughs> uh, Peppermint uh, is directed by uh, the guy who directed Taken, Pierre Morel. So there's some pedigree there, but right off the bat, bad title on this movie, Peppermint. Yeah. That's yeah. Not, not an angry revenge movie name. Revenge movies are called Taken or Kill Bill or Death Proof, not Pep. That's not even badass for a mint. 
<laughs> Cinnamon. You'd like, okay, she's spicy. Right, yeah. Even wintergreen is more hardcore <laughs> than pepper. And why is that the name, by the way? Because her daughter uh, orders peppermint ice cream, which I should note does not exist. Never heard of that product. Peppermint no. ice cream? No. Mint ice cream. Mint chocolate chip. Yeah. Uh, Jennifer Garner plays a, a happy uh, lower middle class suburban mom. They've got an adorable daughter. They've got some slight financial problems, though, and the husband considers robbing a local drug dealer, but decides correctly that that's a bad idea. Apparently, though, this drug dealer knows even if you're thinking about robbing him because he sends a car full of goons to shoot the whole family. Only Jennifer Garner <laughs> survives. And she goes on a mad quest for revenge. It's an imitation of John Wick. One notable difference, John Wick was interesting. It was shot and presented in such a way that you wanted to keep watching. John Wick isn't that good, but it's very interestingly put together. Peppermint is just kind of dull. It's by the book. That's the fastest shortcut to an action movie. Here's a person. We killed your family. It's just so formula in that way. The only thing that distinguishes Peppermint is this. It's alarmingly racist. That's the problem. Really? Here, really. It's a movie about this suburban white lady who just shoots every Latino man she sees. <laughs> every last one of them. No questions asked. She sees a Mexican. Oh. She shoots him. Oh. You know all, Julio? They're all in this gang that is here to kill families for arbitrary reasons outside of carnivals. If this sounds is this produced by Jeff Sessions, it, <laughs> if you go and don't experience people chanting "build the wall" at the end of your screen, <laughs> I will be very, very surprised. And don't worry, I like I know I don't like to fly this flag when it's not necessary. It's necessary in this case, but even if you're skeptical of that reading of it, it's bad anyway. So it, look, save your half-assed explanations for why a movie isn't as racist as. I think it is for a movie that's worth defending. This is not that. Sorry, Jennifer Garner. It could be worse. You could still be married to Ben Affleck. So you've got that going for you. What's the last movie? The last movie is actually Dennis Hopper's directorial follow-up to Easy Rider. After Easy Rider hit... One of the studios gave him a couple million dollars to make a movie, uh, uh, and he went to, Ch uh, Ch I forget if it's Peru or Chile now, uh, and made this kind of head-trippy film. It is finally making its debut in Pittsburgh this week, so something is showing up later than Le'Veon Bell. The last movie is a crazy, drugged-out thing. Uh, 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 that he just got this money to go off and do. He kind of focused on making a movie and kind of focused on just getting a bunch of weird footage of whatever. So he came back and cut it into a normal movie, but then he showed it to, uh, do you know the director Alejandro Jodorowsky who did El Topo? Do I? And all of those <laughs> crazy midnight cult movie western things. He showed it to this guy and said, no, make this completely incomprehensible. So that's what he did. You've got to keep in mind the state that Dennis Hopper was in in about 1971. Oh, so high. <laughs> and that is... I'm not... I, look, I don't want to tell you how to live your life, but get on his level if you want to enjoy the last movie. It's kind of just for film buffs. If you want to see this right. really interesting relic post-Easy Rider 70s auteur period, yeah. uh, it's playing at Row House this week, and it's a really interesting film from that perspective. If you're just looking for a movie, I don't know. This is this is out there, man. This is way, way out there. So like I said, if you uh, my honest recommendation for this weekend, watch Deliverance. Honor, <laughs> honor Burt Reynolds. Much lighter. Deliverance. Boogie Nights if you want a lighter experience. Or hey, like you said, Cannonball Run. That'd be fun. That'd be a fun way to spend your weekend.
Smokey you, the Bandit. Chuck Smokey Collier from bandit. Pittsburgh Magazine. Thanks to Sean for his uh, efforts this morning. Also, thanks to Dave Damashek from the NFL Network. Jackasses Preston Lacey. He'll be at Club Cafe tomorrow night. But tonight, he's down in Washington at uh, the... What's the name of the place in Washington? Joe? At one place? The what? 40 Bar and Grill. 40 Bar and Grill. Okay. Uh, Preston was great, as always. It, it, always a pleasure uh, hosting him here on the show. And thanks to Stefan Tuitt for giving us a shout later on this morning, or earlier this morning, rather, and Ben Penninger from uh, this uh, weekend's Feastival Festival going on in McKee's Rocks, which starts at 2.30 tomorrow. Sounds great. I wanted to tell people, too, about a stand-up show tomorrow. It's called The Stand-Up Get Down. It's a stand-up game show. And if you haven't been down to the new Arcade Comedy Theater downtown, highly recommend it. Go check that show out. It's tomorrow night at 9 p.m. It's hosted by Aaron Kleiber and Jason Clark, and they always have a great lineup of local comics. And it's just a really fun show, and it's an awesome venue, so go check that out. Sean, what do you got? Tonight, uh, I'll be up at Scratch Food and Beverage in Troy Hill. Love that place. As the special uh, guest judge for the uh, karaoke competition up there. I may uh, I may do a tune or two myself, so consider that a warning or an advertisement as as necessary. Tomorrow night, uh, I am honored to be the special guest for the Arcade Hootenanny at Arcade Comedy Theater. 8 p.m. I'll tell stories. They'll make jokes about them. Scratch tonight, Arcade tomorrow night. Valerie, you got anything going on? Not this weekend. Also, uh, thanks to Adam Cosgrove for calling us earlier from the American Mustache Institute to eulogize Burt Reynolds' mustache. And as always, as we head into the weekend... Bud Light Game Day Bar of the Week, Perrytown Draft House in Westview, $2 Bud Light, 20-ounce drafts during all Steeler games, Perrytown Draft House in Westview. That's your Bud Light Game Day Bar of the Week getting a set right now for Steelers football. It's Steelers Brown Sunday from the Pittsburgh Steelers Radio Network. Mike Pursuta. Mike. The all-pro running back is a no-show and might continue to be until Thanksgiving. Either Le'Veon Bell isn't concerned about the $850,000 or so he'll be forfeiting every Sunday, he thinks he'll make up for money lost now on the back end eventually, or he missed that Economics 101 class they used to make every freshman take at Michigan State. I'm guessing the latter is at least partially a factor in this soap opera's latest unanticipated twist. Either way, the Steelers have more immediate concerns. They have to give the ball to somebody against the Browns. We're about to find out if all that James Conner buzz in August was justified if rookie Jalen Samuels can catch the ball out of the backfield as well as his lean at the preseason tape suggested and perhaps if veteran Steven Ridley is indeed on it as Ridley has insisted he is following four seasons spent in the NFL wind. Another notable absence on the shore of Lake Erie will be that of Landry Jones, formerly Ben Roethlisberger's backup quarterback and sideline confidant. Here's hoping when Roethlisberger asks Josh Dobbs what he saw from a particular coverage, the new backup and former rocket scientist won't instead tell Big Ben how to build a rocket. That could take a while, and it won't answer the question as to whether the Browns were playing quarters, three deep, or single high. The Browns have their own issues, as HBO's Hard Knocks so vividly illustrated. They may have finally earned their stripes on their still logoless helmets, but they're also still 1-31 over the past two seasons. That has to have embattled head coach Hugh Jackson on a short leash, maybe even destined to be replaced on an interim basis by either Todd Haley or Greg Williams, provided the Cleveland offensive coordinator and the Cleveland defensive coordinator don't kill each other first. (laughs) Another loss to the Steelers to open this season might have Browns backers running for the therapy dog. His bark is worse than his bite, by the way, much like that silly come-get-some mantra Williams defenders chanted for the HBO cameras. Are you ready for some football? 
No man is an island entire of itself, the poet once maintained. Each is a piece of the continent, a part of the main. Apparently, Bell skipped English lit as well as econ at MSU. His skewered <laughs> sense of team and his place therein has disappointed management and outraged teammates. We're about to find out to what degree it has likewise lessened the Steelers. Each man's death diminishes me, for I am involved in mankind, John Donne continued back in the 17th century. Therefore, send not to know for whom the bell tolls, it tolls for thee. It still might eventually for Bell and for the Steelers, give or take a couple of months, on the way to an accrued season of service that's managed to take a turn for the worse before the ball has even been kicked off. Mike Pursuta, getting you set. Sunday. Steelers. Browns. That's this coming Sunday at 1 o'clock and all of the pregame festivities, of course, start at 9 a.m. Really? Yeah. (laughs) Here on your radio home of the Pittsburgh Steelers, 102.5 DVE. I'll see you guys at the Elks tomorrow night. Well, for those of you who bought tickets for it, sold out for Johnny Cash Day. Uh, Michelle's coming up next. She'll have the electric lunch at noon. We welcome back our uh, our co-worker and friend, Sean McDowell, this week. Great to have you back. He looks good. Looks great. Sounds great. Yeah. Better than ever. He'll be on this afternoon for you and your drive home, or if you're heading out to the Outlaw Music Festival at Star Lake, Key Bank Pavilion, whatever the hell it's called. Show starts out there, 240. With the common heart. Goes all the way through. Brandy Carlisle, Sturgill Simpson, Van Morrison's doing a two-hour set, 8 to 10 p.m. Brandy Carlisle? Brandy. Oh. And the one and only Willie Nelson, who was uh, hanging out with Brett Kiesel and James Harrison yesterday on the uh, Willie bus. Hmm. Wonder what they were doing. Exchanging beard tips, maybe. Who knows? I think Willie is beardless right now. Is he? He may be. He may be. Find out tonight at the Key Bank uh, Pavilion there for Outlaw. That's it. We're done doing the stuff that we do. So well. <laughs> so well. And Anamas. And Anamas. I'm Pittsburgh. Don't touch your face. I got him dead, Pittsburgh, all day, baby. For now, you guys call me Ronald. Would you not eat my pants? Ronald. Ah! Mm-hmm.